right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We are ready, ready to stick to sports. Solly here. Neil is here. Hello, Neil. Great to be here. Super fun week. I'm we got so, so many... excited to talk golf this week. No, I am. I'm happy to be here. Let's let's uh, let's send it tonight, Pie Man. DJ Pie is here. Hello, DJ Pie. Hey, greetings. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here with you guys. Cody is here as well. He's going to be producing tonight's episode. You may hear his voice from time to time here as we uh, as we as we meander through just. Uh, a myriad of figurative, figurative landmines, if you will, of uh, hot-button issues around the game of golf. You know what's not a hot-button issue in the game of golf, though? The perfect pant from Travis to Matthew. From Travis Matthew. <laughs> I'm stumbling already. Here we go. We got a, a few of these in the mail. I wore them for the first time yesterday. Not exaggerating. The best golf pant I've ever worn. They are extremely, extremely light. Like, they are not... They're for the day that's like, is it shorts or is it pants today? You can wear these pants. They're perfect. They're maybe about, maybe too light. It's cold in Jack's this it, weekend. It was a little bit. It's, if you need to bundle up, this might not be the pant. But if you're looking for something that you can wear from open to close, it is. I, you can wear this out on a casual night or whatever you want to do, or you can wear it on the golf course. They feel great. The pockets are great. Like, you know how sometimes when you wear pants, it's an awkward Shallow angle. Shallow pockets are yes. a, it's an epidemic. a sneaky you got to look out for those. I've seen a lot. Cell phones these, falling out between your car seats. I haven't seats. tried the perfect pant yet. How do you think they would work for the quad father? Oh, they're Stretch perfect. around the quads? Perfect. My glutes have been on fire this so far this year, and they fit absolutely perfect. Okay, so, good to hear. Uh, they created from performance fabric that features improved softness, softness and stretch. The casual look, lightweight feel, makes them perfect from open to close. One of John Rahm's and Sam Burns' favorites. Uh, whether they're on tour or relaxing off the course, bottom line, this is a pant you can stay in all day from open to close. Check it out today at travismatthew.com. Use code NLU20 for 20% off your purchase. That's travismatthew, T-R-A-V-I-S-M-A-T-H-E-W.com. Code NLU20 for 20% off. Love that code. Very good. That's, that's a very that's, good. That's a, that's a nice little discount. I might try that code Useful. throughout the year, too. I, I may have sent that to a friend or two. I think it's an evergreen code, so keep that in mind, people. I thought the golden child was going to do it. I thought he was going to save us from uh, a pretty tough week around the world of golf. But uh, Tom oh, Hoagie no. is the one that saved us from the from from Kong's the... way, baby. <laughs> Mike's way. Hoagie's for everybody. Come on, everybody, come get your sandwich. Let's go. I do God, feel that's bad. A stupid joke. Tom, Gee, Ho- do you want a pickle with that? <laughs> no, I don't need. Give my pickle to Neil. I'm good. I don't need one. What about chips and a drink? Uh, just a cup of water. Come for water for me. I know you're going to go get a Pepsi. <laughs> no, come on. You're a bad guy. I feel bad that Hoagie has been like the guy, like the go-to guy in so many of the Not conversations. Not anymore, my friend. Well, I think he still is in terms of the guy that like, listen, he's, this guy's cash and checks. He's playing good golf. He's not moving the needle. He is uh, emblematic, if you will, of an issue that the tour has, right? And in this week where we're talking about Super Leagues and all this other stuff going on, Tom Hoagie winning is kind of like a... Gosh, like Phil, we're going to get to Phil. We're going to spend a lot of time on Phil. Like, I think you have a point. You are not communicating it very well. And if you were more focused on, you know, the fact that maybe you don't want to split purses with Cam Tringales and Tom Hoagies anymore, maybe we could have got there. But it's just, I found it ironic that Hoagie won the tournament this week in deserved fashion. The way I would sum it up is it's the kind of marquee pro-am of the PGA Tour calendar. 
some of these big wigs, billionaires, actors, you know, music stars, if they got paired up with Tom Hoagie, would they? Who? Who? <laughs> what? Damn. Huh? I thought I was going to play with Spieth or, you know, like, you know, like, come on. I mean, maybe uh, Camp Champ, you know, like, I know the name. Tom Hoge. Hoge? Uh, Ho Hoge. Hoge. But you know what? And I, I, played, and I, I don't mean any offense by that, but I think that's kind of the, the you know. I played one one round with that guy. Boy, he, boy, can he hit it, though. Yeah. I'll tell you what. It just shows how much depth boy, is can out that, here That's on, exactly on right, Neil. That's exactly right. No, it, listen, he's. He's been knocking on the door. We gotta give him his due. He's he's been playing Hunt really nice. He he runner up at the American Express out in the desert. I think a T four uh, in the fall at Sea Island. He's he's just he's been sniffing around. He misses a shitload of cuts as well. But when he is up there, I mean, he, he usually hangs. He doesn't completely get vaporized. It seems like. And he was something like ninety two hundred dollars on DraftKings this week. Which if that if that doesn't make sense to you, that's like one of the top six or seven players on the board. And I saw that. I was like, what? Yeah. What is going on? And jokes on me because he went ran down our boy. Uh, well, shot of the day on sixteen. Yeah, I mean, he almost did what Spieth did last year and yeah. and dunked it from the fairway. You know, kind of had a. a Three inch tap in there, so and that was kind of it. It was like it was very anticlimactic and for the last. We birdied seventeen. Money birdie that. putt on seventeen. Yeah, yeah true. And a, true. and a, not a super easy two putt on eighteen. Right. No, just kind of. But he was in complete control. Yeah. then. it was yeah. like ah, yeah. damn, you know. And Cantley's fading. He Cantley was not good, man. Hate that. That. that was that wasn't good. So maybe um, the slowest week of golf I've seen in. Slowest like pace of play. Pace of play. Oh, we're getting like, right on pace of play right off the bat. Re that's that's a that's not wasn't on the agenda. I didn't know we were going to get there today. Well, it's just something that jumped out at me. I watched <laughs> from tough. from hole number one, like when Spieth teed off to the you know final putt, and it was just brutally slow all day. I just felt like I was. It's a log jam every year. I was struggling, and do you think that's that's pro am? That's definitely an aspect of it. I mean, it I it just kind of. I don't know if it's exactly the way the order of the holes flow from like a short, you know, a short par three into a reachable par five and then into another short par three and then into like, you know, a hole that kind of takes a long time to go all the way around on number eight. And it just, you know, there's just wind and all those elements out there. It just is not set up to flow very quickly. I mean, courses like I pictured like Riviera is like a really good course that flows pace wise. You know, there's a lot of talk. I think it's a Thomas thing of, you know, the first two holes are meant to send you as far away from the clubhouse as possible, and that's a pace of play thing and gets going. And Pebble just doesn't seem to be designed to to rush people through, if you will, which is kind of ironic because they make a lot of money every time they do rush somebody through. But <laughs> I played there 10 years ago, teed off at 310 in late May and played 18 in the total dark. It was five and a half hours or something like that. But it's just a, a well, Pebble yeah, thing. Yeah, a lot of, like, starting – before six, but specifically six, when you're hitting that blind shot over the hill, it's just a lot of shots of like, whoa, I got to focus. <laughs> <laughs> like Also like, whoa, look at that view. Is that enough on Hoagie? Can we do speed now, the eulogy? Uh, let's do Tom Hoagie career earnings coming into today. Mm, today. 7.8 million. Don't look at my screen, you dirtbag. I, I saw you I saw <laughs> you looking. Not I was, me. Yeah, no, Neil. Neil. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> no, you I better did not, not get anything. this super close. I think it's lower than 7.8. I'm going to go... Five million dollars. All right. Well, you need to get your eyes checked. Eight point six. Oh, wow. Coming yeah. into today, so another whatever million and million point like two. Or yeah. So I need to put some respect on his name. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's he's he's, he's been around. He's played two hundred and two events, two hundred three events now. He's sixth in strokes gain approach on tour so far this season. Like the dude is a really 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 good iron player. I don't know why he hasn't won. Honestly, people that are up there that high on strokes gain approach win golf tournaments. That's yeah. a str that's a stat that like. You know, I feel like I'm pretty plugged into those, and that was a surprising stat to see today. Yeah, no, I don't. I I definitely can't say I have too much more to add on 
Tom Hoagie. Congratulations to him. Obviously, I don't know if we want to get right to Spieth, but... Well, but before we do, TC uh, jumped in downstairs. Pebble's good for a Tom Hoagie winner. Like sure. Ted Potter Jr. Ted Potter, like, Nick Taylor. It just seems like it's... Uh, things of that it, nature. And I, when he, he kind of brought that up about you know, 20 minutes ago. And I was thinking about like, why is that? Is it well, the field's usually bad massive? Is it because it's a massive field or it's because no, it's not it's a, a good field? It's just not usually a good field. I think you have like farmers, you have Phoenix, you have, you know, the, obviously the stuff in the middle East that has pulled guys now for a while. You have, you know, Riviera coming up. You, it's, it's, it's just not usually very good. I think a lot of guys don't love the pro-am like the Pebble honestly has made a, even a little bit of a comeback. I feel like even the last, Obviously not this year, but, you know, when Spieth kind of started playing there, when Jason Day started playing there back when he was number one in the world, it, it started to come back. It was even bleaker probably than than it has been in the last couple of years, but it's it's never never really been great. I think there's not something... Not the last 20 years, anyway. There's something to um, three golf courses being more randomized test of skill than, like, farmers. At Torrey, it's like, hey, four days right here. I guess I know they have two courses there, but the profiles are decently similar of, like, Pound driver here is what you got to do. You got to have this skill over and over and over and over again. So you get like the normal guys that we're used to seeing. Whereas this is not long golf courses, three different courses, and you get them in three different orders. And it, I don't even know what you would technically want. Would you want the easy course on the easy day so you can post the number, the hard course on the easy day so you don't go back as far? But there's just so much random stuff. Then you add in amateurs into the mix and all the things that are going on out there. Like, that would be why I think that probably happens. The field is definitely a contributor to it, but it's just, it's hard to say, like, what is the test at this tournament because you get so many different elements to it. Spyglass, bomb it. Like, it is the the driver seven iron golf course, and yet Pebble, you, you know, you can get hot on that front nine, run off four or five birdies in a hurry out there. So that would be my guess. Shout out know. to the Prophet. <laughs> Do you Troy, like that one? Troy Merritt. We're <laughs> he ran off. Four in a row to start the day. <laughs> Only funny to anybody who's watched Station Eleven, but we were joking about the fairly widely known fact that I think Troy Merritt is he just reads the Harry Potter books over and over. I think Andy had a tweet from it's, a while ago that he's he's some he's read each book like twelve times. Yeah, almost like Neil uh, was like, man, it sounds like the prophet from like, Station to, Eleven. You know, I love that album. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, he just loves the Harry Potter books. Keeps reading, so it. I, keeps I, reading yeah. the book. You know, so I would like to join. I declaring that I'm part of the undersea. <laughs> Can I just I'm gonna declare it right here? Can I speak for very many people when I say? Yeah, I've watched it. It's okay. Huh? It's okay. <laughs> I mean, easily the there best, is no best, before. best it's, show of. Okay. I think it was better than better than Succession. It was really good. Really good. And I was skeptical going into it. But so we'll, we'll give you the last word. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in out, agreement. Shout out to Tyler Merritt. <laughs> um, Tyler was said intentionally. I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but yeah, you, you'll you'll figure. Yeah, it out. you'll figure it out. Whatever. <laughs> Will uh, I? <laughs> Um, I will say Pebble, this was as as good as I can remember, remember Pebble playing. I think we've gotten just kind of overcast. Other than the U.S. Open. It was not that great for the U.S. Open. It wasn't that firm for the U.S. Open. They would have yeah. liked it firmer. They just The weather did not fully cooperate with that. But in terms of like a January or February week of sunshine and short sleeves and firm greens, like those greens came alive, and that makes those pin positions come alive so much more. 
How great, like, they set it up awesome for Sunday. The yeah. pin position on five was tremendous. Nine in that back left corner. And the corner, different T on five, too. The, the different T on, T on five, five and the different T on ten. There yeah. was just a bunch of stuff that was like, and again, that's just the, the you know, year-over-year year familiarity with Pebble and, like, knowing where some of those spots are and how hard 16 green is to putt and all that. It it was a good golf tournament today, man. It was uh, good coverage, too. It feels yeah. like CBS finding their groove a little bit. Their aerial images this week were just popping off the charts. Obviously, an incredible job capturing the Spieth <laughs> moment on Saturday, which, Neil, I know you're dying to talk about. I just, you know, listen. It, cool shot. It's such a steep cliff. It's, that would be so scary. I know, but I thought it was a little overplayed. Oh, A little overcooked on. for me. He I didn't think he was. Away. He literally could have died. But yeah. it was also like, like. Legitimately. First off, he chose to do it. it yeah, which like, was a bad decision. Okay, but I, I felt like there was a solid yard there. I thought he had nice wide base. Okay, he had plenty of time to backpedal immediately, like he didn't lose his footing in any way, and he took a, a plenty of time before the shot. And I guess <laughs> some of this is just that golf is like in general so lame that I'm going to see that shot on for the next nine months over and over and over. I you can almost see it right when it happened. Like, oh god, there, this is like the coolest thing that I've you know that's happened in golf. And look how <laughs> dangerous that was. Oh my god, Spieth putting his life on the line. It's just over dramatized. I didn't think it was. You know, I didn't think he had to hit the shot. I didn't it, feel it, like the he cliff was. Is, the cliff is the God, cliff. It, You're right. It if looked he fell, for, he would have died. You're it looked right. for a while like he was going to win by one shot, and it, and I would have, I would have completely thrown in your face that he stepped up and hit it. It was great. See, I still don't think he. I mean, he had a. He ended up with a 20 footer for par, right? So it wasn't like he could have easily taken the drop, hit it to 20 feet, and made the par. Still, it wasn't like hitting the shot saved him a shot. I do not think that. And. I had I didn't feel like it was overly like look how cool and amazing this was. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, I don't know about this, and they were pretty good about adding in Jordan's context afterwards. Was like, dude, I regret doing it. I should not have. Done <laughs> he that. said he like, almost had an anxiety attack yeah. when he got to the green. He started thinking about what he had just done. It was. It, I, he was I, like upset that his parents were watching it on TV. He was upset his wife was I mean, watching it. I, I thought it was a little stock. I, n- listen, next time you're next time you're out there, go no, stick your head over that cliff. Don't. That's, that, I've done that's, it. It's very scary. That's fine. You know what? Maybe I'm out of line for saying this, but maybe I'm just worried about this being overplayed on repeat for the next nine months. I'm worried about people now going to be like, "Oh, we got to go hit the speed." I'm shot. worried about that too. Do not go do that. Yeah. Like that. That's the. That's the part that's the worst. And the, the drone view of it was incredible. Then they went to the, you know, the handheld view and whatnot. And then you see he's on a downslope, too, yeah. into it. Man, well, no, it's just, it was the blimp view. Yeah, the, the, the blimp Which view. Which always, right. shout out to the blimp uh, camera of operator. Of course. Some of the, I mean, most skilled stuff we, we see week in, week out. They nailed that. But I don't want to say I've about Speed's game probably. before we move on. Because yeah, he, he sh- struck the shit out of his irons. And that should be exciting for the upcoming golf. He shot 60. Should be exciting for Phoenix. Should be exciting for Riviera. Obviously exciting for... The players, I mean, exciting for a, Augusta. It's a game of roulette off the tee. Not really. He drove it better than it looked. Yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of drop in the club at the top of the backswing. Yes. Uh, I'll give you, it didn't look good. It was it was not fun to watch as a speed like fan. On Saturday, they broadcasters were saying that he had a like all-time day, ball striking day. Like proximity to the hole. He had, mm-hmm. like I don't know, some like double-digit number of putts inside 12 feet. I don't know what the number was. And... It's just crazy with Spieth because that's not what I'm watching. I'm like, yo, I just feel like he's been all over the map all day. Really? You know, like that it doesn't. He was 16th in strokes gained off the tee on Saturday and 12th today. Yeah. 10th for the week. Okay. So maybe that. that that's what I mean. It wasn't as bad. Yeah. Like, no. Yes. He dropped the club a couple times and stuff, but he like striped him in the middle of a lot of fairways yeah. and just off the fairway. Like he was in a lot of good spots. He didn't really take himself out of, 
out of any holes. That, that wasn't his issue. He, he missed, missed seven fairways. Over. Yeah. He hit 75% of the fairway. And they're, they're, they're wide at Pebble. You can hit some bad tee shots. He hit some tee shots that were not great that found edges of fairways and stuff like but that. But I'll, I'll find community. The, the takeaway rehearsal thing. It's not good. It's, it's not good. It's It doesn't look good. But it's growing on me. As you said, like, you know, I'm hardly golf swing guy. But when you actually watch, like, the full golf swing, it, it looks nice. He was number one in strokes yeah. gained approach this week. Like, he struck the living shit I, out of it. And I it, guess there is there any other player though that hits it that good, but maybe it's just the on course talk and the reactions and which I'm here I'm here for all that's that. Stuff. The, that's part of the deal. It's yeah. part of the deal. That's I what know, you get. but it's like in it it almost seeps into your brain of like man, Spieth's playing horrible. Well, it's just funny to watch like, that. You're just like, and then you're like, wait a second, he's not playing horrible. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, it's never easy. People, all right. First of all, people that are getting on me for you know, I, I tweeted about halfway through the round, like this this round is going suspiciously stress free for Spieth, as in like, oh, you blew it. Oh, you totally blew it. It's like, <laughs> no, dude, we all know it's coming. It's just coming <laughs> later than we thought. Like I I, I called that one. I didn't jinx it. That is the exact opposite. And, of course, yeah, it didn't last. Like he was in total control, and then it just – I don't really know what happened because he, he was striking it great. He got to 18 under par, playing – and two par fives to go, and wedges on 15 and 16, and play them one over coming in. Like, that's – that's he, he could have taken the tournament by just birdieing the, the remaining two par fives. He wins the tournament by one shot. Hoagie maybe plays 18 differently, I know, yeah. but – um, he he could have taken it and grabbed it, and he just did not. He he sounded like he was, and take this for what it's worth, I guess, but in his post-rounder, and you could kind of hear him on the golf course even saying this too, it sounded like he even still hit, you know, we talk all the time about the, the line between winning and not winning. It sounded like he still hit a ton of the shots that he was trying to hit. Yeah. Like the shot on 17, it sounded like he, that was the first thing he said, was like, oh, I hit that exactly, exactly how I wanted to. Yeah. And it just, I don't know if he caught a gust of wind or, or whatever, but many, many, many positives to take for... Uh, for the speed head. I, I had I walked out of the room. What happened on the second shot on eighteen? Did he I don't know yet. It sounded like maybe or maybe there was like a clump behind the ball or something. Like he, and did he did he, he get said did you guys see a replay? Did he top it? No, he hit it clean. I expected the replay to show like, yeah, dude, you chunked it. Like that's what happened. And the, the replay looked like he hit it totally clean. So I have no idea what happened. Uh, that's if that is a freaky thing that, like, if I'm under a tree, yeah. I feel like I can flush one and then the ball do something weird. Maybe he's on a root or something under there. I don't know. But um, it did not. I was standing over that one. I did. I was not like, oh, man, he's about to stuff this one. This is going to be great. It looked like it was going to be quite a problem. Can I run you through the back nine, how he started the back nine he, with his distance control? He had one ten in. And can they, remember, these are on firm greens. I know some of these are wedges. But had one ten in a 10, hit it 112 yards. On 11, had 121 in, hit it 120. On 12, he had 213, hit it 212. We get to flip over to 13, he had 192 in, he hit it 193. And then on 14, he had 125 in and hit it 129. So his so that's what made 17 so confusing for how he was yeah. that short. He had that hole was playing 185 and he landed at 169. So he was not that close to it. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what happened there, but. All in all, I, I did not even have it in the cards that Spieth would be competitive this week. He was no. coming off the like the worst seven <laughs> event stretch of his career. Has had a stomach bug. Just had a kid. Like I don't think the perspective had fully kicked in, but sure. I think it did on Saturday. Maybe when he was standing over that ball on on mm. eight on the cliff, that could have been like the perspective. This perspective truly kicking in there. That's interesting. You know what? I can't put myself on the line there anymore. And then it was just he was freed up after that. It's That's just the, it feels like the energy it takes for Spieth. It looks to, exhausting to put that those four rounds together and 
compared to like well, that's can't let say just like, just yeah. like on autopilot <laughs> watching like, oh, yeah, I, watching, I blew it at the end but like it, it doesn't look like he was even trying it's just watching Bo Hostler yeah hit like seven irons like oh that looks easy yeah <laughs> I, I, maybe I could do that that he makes that look pretty just simple seems like speed is just like so much like he's trying not to get hit by a car out there <laughs> it's just yeah it's like trying to mine crypto <laughs> it's just so much so energy. much energy <laughs> it's like we're there are, there are villages that are just getting vaporized. <laughs> it's just roll. Oh God! Is it, did the the AC went out? Yeah, yeah. Spieth is like he's got an eight footer for par. <laughs> he's Sorry. rolling blackouts wherever <laughs> yeah. Spieth's going. Exactly. So if you're if you're in the Phoenix area, I would I would uh, he's you know watch what, that maybe unit, gas up the generator uh, for next week. Jewels? Yeah, uh, like kilojoules, right? I think I think major amounts of yes, jewels. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's just so many so many watts. Yeah, Jules Verne. <laughs> It just feels. So like I will give you a last word, <laughs> right, man. Sorry, you lost me. I was going to say more coverage of Monterey Peninsula this year. That was a very nice thing to see. Sure, I don't ever actually remember seeing really full God, on TV. My so question cool. is, I was thinking about this uh, on watching Friday. Why fans can go over to uh, MPCC? Mm-hmm. God, it feels like just go park on Seventeen Mile Drive once you you know get in the gates and you could see all the all the golf you want over there. You know, it didn't look like there was anybody over there. I guess yeah, it's pretty pretty low key. I guess the party's at Pebble, but I feel like the it'd be more fun to watch over there. Uh, uh, yeah. If you're ever going to that tournament, walking around Spyglass is so underrated. It's so cool, and MPCC as well. It's like they're just it, it's truly stress free stuff over there. And, and then and then that that would be it'd be a great event to. I mean, obviously it's Pebble Beach. Well, I've been but I've been be twice. a great event to go as, as a fan. And I would say, especially even with the pro am setup. There probably isn't a tournament that doesn't uh, that's as um, off balance from a TV yes. coverage standpoint to an attendance standpoint. Yeah, like for I, sure. I would jump at the chance to go next year because yeah. it's a it's an awesome because you're experience. Big, big Bill Murray guy, right? Not so much. But well, it that's is cool it, to see someone like you know Belichick's out there, or like uh, it's fun to see some famous faces playing with these guys. That's why I ride as well. I kept saying it today, but the U.S. Women's Open next year at Pebble is going to be. One of the coolest events of the year. Yeah, that would be a really, really cool event to see like, as a fan. Like uh, the yeah. the pro am sucks on TV, or at least for the for Sunday. And the, the, like I feel the like the first two days, I'm 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 cool with you showing me. Yeah, you know, you're gonna overplay Bill Murray, but I like watching some of these amateurs play. I feel like they've done a decent job at evolving it, like quietly. Like, all right, we got Dallas back a little bit. They used to be that that once the Saturday broadcast was the worst broadcast of the year. <laughs> they would have Clint wonder, Eastwood in there. I wonder and what like, changed. And yeah, it's uh, it feels like they kind of got the message of like, all right, yeah, I get like show some Macklemore, show some Schoolboy Q. Like, and I think at one point today, it's like, hey, we cut over here. There's Willie Nelson's son here. It's like, okay, <laughs> you, you, God, he looks like Steve Zahn. You know, you got to get this one moving pretty quickly. I asked you guys this earlier. Why don't they cut the pro am off on Saturday? Because it feels like an unfair advantage for like Cantlay still playing with his. You know, with DJ Desol, your I dad. I think they're they're <laughs> selling Solomon at a pretty. <laughs> they're selling at a pretty nice price. The opportunity. Solly to walk. got his dad into the yeah. pro am. That's, that's he's been disgusting. Work, he's, he's been trading on the NLU name for his father. Absolutely disgusting. That's true. I was going to say. I, ju- I just want to be clear on this because <laughs> <laughs> that that is not the case. Somebody Sorry, will take uncle. that. Sorry, you're right, uncle. It's my uncle. Yes. No, no somebody's going to take that. And run CEO of Goldman Sachs is not Solly's uncle. No relation whatsoever. No relation. We can, we can no confirm. relation. Uh, but, but, the, the real answer, like the my answer to your question, of like is like yeah, Neil, I totally agree. I think they should cut out the celebrities on Sunday. I think the real answer is what Solly was getting at there. Just like, dude, these 
It's money. The, yeah, the, yes. the tournament raises a ton of money for from people, you know, signing up to play, and it's just that's the fab. I mean, you just got done saying, you know, the atmosphere on the ground, yes. right? Like the that is the fabric of the tournament. Is it's just interesting to see aspects. half, but of, I, of I the agree. Three final be, groups, like half the guys are playing with a pro am partner, and the other half aren't. Yeah, it feels like that's an unfair advantage weird. for the guys that aren't. Yeah, is that all from Pebble? You guys got any uh, anything else? I just had a good time watching it. I, I it was nice. To, it was nice to have un- on today. Unsubscribe me from all the Pebble actually stinks newsletters. I, I'm not interested in reading it. I, I had a great time. It was so shitty in Jacksonville today. It was blustery and cold and gray. And all I wanted to do was just watch pros hit shots into six and seven and eight. I had a had a great time watching. I'd attribute firmness to that though. I it, totally it, agree. It can yeah, not, yeah. It, it can be a a, bore, a dull watch when the ball stops sure. right where it lands. And I would say it could be better. Sure. Well, Neil, when they when they task you to redesign it, I I'll champion. No, that I agree cause. with you that it's not a goat track. Yeah. So I'm not here for that argument, but it it also, you know, could be a little better. So, well, it's time. The, the moment we've been waiting for has finally arrived, and in honor of the big game, the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six, is giving new customers fifty six to one odds on either team. Just bet five dollars and get two hundred and eighty in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer, you can experience Super Bowl 56 with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code NLU. Get 56-1 to odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager require. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in NY. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. How about that? New York on the grid, throwing Solly off his legalese. Yeah, I can't do it in one breath anymore because New York has just thrown a 12-6 curveball. has my knees buckling when it comes time to get the, through the legalese. Can, so. I, can I say one more uh, thing about Pebble sure, before I course, forget? Of course, of course. It was heartwarming, heartwarming to see... Uh, Brian Roberts, the CEO of Comcast, get booed by the fans <laughs> around AT. Uh, I think anybody who's ever spent any time interacting with Comcast in any possible way, I thought that was very cathartic, and I'd like to applaud whoever that was near the 18th green, loudly, loudly <laughs> booing Brian Roberts. That was cool. He's was not it, in Cable it? Town anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time. Phil Mickelson, this past week, Went, I would call this nuclear. This is about as nuclear as quotes get in an interview with John Huggin with Golf Digest. First, he starts it with, I didn't, and I didn't know what I was clicking on when I, when I started this article, but it starts with, if I win the U.S. Open, I will retire. That will be my last tournament, and I, I will have achieved the career Grand Slam, and I won't have anything more to prove. Having said that. Now, he <laughs> basically says, and I'm not directly quoting this. However. I'm not banking on that, okay? <laughs> but I'll tell you what I However. am. I'll tell you what I am banking on. And he goes into a, a, a tirade here that piece by piece, we're going to try to unpack this. He says, basically goes on to complain about the PGA Tour and says, it's not public knowledge all that goes on, but the players don't have access to their own media. If the tour wanted to end any threat from Saudi or anywhere else, they could just hand back the media rights to the players, but they'd rather throw $25 million and $40 million there than give back the roughly... $20 billion in digital assets that they control. 
or give up to, uh, to the 50 plus million they make every year on their own media channel. Lots to unpack there. Just want to make one thing clear. $20 billion is what Phil says the PGA Tour has in digital assets. I, I was joking with you about this earlier. I, I always struggle, you know, to like put numbers and what they mean and, and whatever. But uh, remember when Star Wars got sold to, I don't even remember, Disney, I guess? Disney. Yeah. Star Wars, like maybe the most popular franchise ever, got sold for $4 billion. So like all the PJ Tours digital rights worth five Star Wars is like that that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know where he gets that number. That's twenty thousand million. <laughs> if you added up all the tiger assets, what would that get you to? I have no earthly idea. A billion? But I, I know that it's not twenty billion dollars in, in digital assets. That is such a ridiculous the, the crazy number. Part is that Phil would uh, I want somebody to ask Phil. Where'd you get twenty billion from? Because I think it would be based on like a kernel of truth. Yes. And like what I'm guessing is like Dapper Labs and some of this NFT stuff that the NBA is doing, they have a valuation of seven point five billion. So he's probably like, Oh, well, if they're worth that, then you know, you Ipso combine facto. That, then you combine that with the uh T V deal, which you combine with the international rights, and voila, you've got, you know, eighteen. But let's say like, you know, over the next five, ten years it's gonna get to twenty, you know, inflation. That's what I think a lot of what we're gonna go through here is is exactly that. I think it's rooted in it's a lot of when, you know, when he talks about how the players are only getting 26% of the purses or all these things, it's like there is some weird, it, yeah, I feel like the teacher. Like, Phil, you need to show your work on this, man. We need to, we don't know where the fuck you're getting some of these numbers because, like you said, there's probably some kernel of truth, some, like, half-truth, and then it just gets extrapolated into these things, and then it people take that as fact. It's just, it's not a good situation, but he continues. Well, as it is... I think there is a point that Phil can make about the whole situation when it comes to PGA Tour golf. And I think he, what he probably thinks is like a, a populist route of like, let's rally the people to understand this great injustice that is being served upon us at the PGA Tour and so widely missing the mark with these comments that uh, I don't know how he really recovers from this one. Like, I don't know what his next step is. Like, you just go keep playing PGA Tour events after this? Like, well, He's been dealing with this for 30-plus years. <laughs> and he's, he's mad as hell. He is, and he's, he's finally said, you anymore. know what? I'm going to speak up so that the next generation doesn't have to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> he's trying to grow the game. Okay. He, has been, he has also said no one has benefited under the current structure, like with Tiger, more than I have. Like, that's a, that's a Phil quote. And now he's turning around and saying this. Well, unpacking a little bit what you said— like, yes, there are so many issues he could point to and he could go about. And yes, the top players are underpaid. And yes, he has been underpaid over the course of his career for a lot of reasons that I'm sure, you know, we've gotten into on fucking 15 of the last 30 podcasts that we've done, I'm sure. But what he's getting at here, I, I'm sure we'll get to it if, as he kind of continues. But I don't know where he's trying to wring the towel to get the rest of this money. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's, do, let's do a couple more quotes and then let's, let's chat. He says, there are many issues, but that one is the biggest. For me personally, it's not enough that they are sitting on hundreds of millions of digital moments. They also have access to my shots, access that I do not have. They also charge companies to use shots I have hit. And when I did the match, there have been five of them, the tour forced me to pay them $1 million each time for my own media rights. That type of greed to me is to me beyond obnoxious. Where, I don't know where to start with that one. First of all, it's been widely reported in multiple places that Turner Sports actually paid the $1 million for his uh, media rights to which, the PGA Tour. Which is a perfect example of, like, 
in his head, like, yes, I'm sure that million came out of whatever he was actually getting on the back came end, out of the budget. right? Yeah, it came out of, like, it, the whole Phil, like, you know, Phil won the match and won his $9 million. I don't think that means Tiger Woods goes home empty-handed for, for right. doing the matches. So, <laughs> yes, that million dollars came out of the coffer, and it's just, like, it's true, like, warped perspective on some of this stuff. And obviously, he looks at it from his own viewpoint, which I guess I understand, but it, it doesn't tell the whole story. So what sports league has, do players own their own highlights? Is there one? I do not, I am not aware of one. LeBron James does not own any of the dunks that he has, has like Tom Brady does not own the highlights to any of his touchdown passes. Like the whole deal is Phil, you sign away your media rights and this tour of the, like the organizers of it, take it and go sell it to sponsors for guess what? $700 million this year. They have sold your media rights along with this collective tour just in television, like just for the broadcast related rights to what you do. So like I, how well, he I, understands this, he's been doing it for 30 years. Like you understand this. That's absolutely right in sports and i sent i i think i sent it to you guys the podcast i've been listening to this business breakdowns podcast and there was one about universal music group and it's like the exact same thing happens in the music business where this the studios and the labels they take this basically nine out of ten music acts like bomb or like don't really make money and then taylor swift happens and then taylor swift gets really upset because she's getting ripped off basically she should be making a lot more money and it's like yeah, that's, you know, and this is kind of where Phil's at. It's like he's a bad spokesperson for this because he's basically saying like, oh, his highlights, he could take his highlights and probably go make a bunch of money with them. But the difference is... But so that's I, now. That's not yeah. That's not 30 years ago, which <laughs> yeah. is such a warp. That's where it's warped. It's yeah. like, dude, it took you... They're the re, that's the, the PGA Tour is the reason your highlights now are worth something because they created the environment. They filmed for, it. For people to see your the, freaking flop shots. Well, and that's what I was going to say on the music example is like the difference is Taylor Swift could go start her own record label now that she has a massive megaphone and she's going to sell, you know, but, millions and millions and millions of copies of whatever she's doing. Phil can't just like go out and play 18 holes by himself and still make the yeah. same amount of money. Like the thing only works as a network, right? And we did the whole Breakaway Tours podcast a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, whenever that was. And so much of this just sounds like the stuff Jack Nicholas was saying in 1983, just like, well, this is bullshit. Like, why are we, why aren't we allowed? Why are we competing with the tour? It's like, dude, the whole thing only works if you bundle all this up into one package and you sell it for one package of TV rights. And guess what? Like the TV networks, uh, how do you think that's going to go over if you say like, hey, you don't have exclusive rights to yeah. these, these rights that you're paying for? Like, yeah, good luck, man. I hope, I hope people choose to watch, you know, you NBC rather than like the Phil digital channel or the tiger digital channel or the Bryson digital channel or the Dustin digital channel, or cause like all these things are going to be just shotgun blasted everywhere. Cause it's hard enough as it is for the tour to like sell to like the networks and stuff like, Hey, you know, put on this tournament for us. Okay. Who's going to be there? I have no idea. Well, who's I really be there. don't know. But now imagine a world where they have not granted like the rights. Like I do. I, okay. You're You want to sell me this. Do I have the rights exclusively to like, broadcast Phil Mickelson and no you don't he can kind of go wherever you want he might play only five events for us this year like the whole idea of this tour and again he does this thing where he gives like the tour a personality which is like this is where it just gets really frustrating and confusing and I'll, I'll continue with some quotes he says I'm not sure how this is going to play out my ultimate loyalty is to the game of golf and what it has given me 
I am so appreciative of the life it has provided. Uh, I do not know what is going to happen. I don't know where things are headed, but I know I will be criticized. That's not my concern. All that would do is dumb down one of the most intricate issues in sports. It would be so naive to not factor in all of the complexities. The media rights are but a small fraction of everything else. And the tour's obnoxious greed that has really opened the door for opportunities elsewhere. So, like, I would keep keep going because okay. the next part's relevant to that too. Why hasn't golf had cameras and microphones on players and caddies? Because the player would not benefit. Only the tour, so players resist wearing them. Take this Netflix project that is underway. None of the players are getting paid, but the tour is getting paid a lot of money, as is Augusta National, as is USGA. But if the players had their own channel, maybe they put up their own content and we start to see golf presented a bit more intimately. And again, I have to keep pausing from these quotes to like say, like, this is also not true. Like the tour is not making money from the Netflix per a source. Like that's not true. Um, I don't know where, how far I need to back up to like highlight things that are just like not accurate. Also like the players have their own channel. Like it's a player run organization. So isn't, like, the PGA tour is like the player's so own like the channel. channel. And I not only it's that, not their the, channel, but like, yeah. kind of is right. Uh, yeah. Like it focuses well, on the PGA tour increasingly like more and more. Right. Isn't that yeah. the whole thing? The, the only thing we hear about golf channel is like the tour constantly putting pressure yeah, on them to be more, run media, more tour friendly. <laughs> God, and, we're in here defending the tour. What and the hell's going on? And not only that, but like all these people that the tour has in charge were put there by the players. Yes. Like it, it is player run in every sense. And I know there are some things out of whack. And I think like maybe Andy Gardner talked about a little bit of that on the PGL stuff. And the players probably don't realize some of the power they have and they could band together and do do more things to change, but like unionize. Well, I don't see the players really getting together behind this cause that Phil has because it's like pretty outrageous. As le- at least as far as I understand it, maybe like Phil is a smart guy, and there's got to be more to it than all of this. But man, I'm having a hard time figuring out what the fuck he's talking about. It's weirdly personal with him. <laughs> yes. Like it's like extremely personal. Yeah. It's and- like he's had a bunch of good ideas in his head. Like why haven't there been cameras on my hat? And it's like he it's almost like the tour was like, Yeah, Phil, we're not gonna do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like twenty years ago, he's like, Man, fuck I tried those telling guys. Him. I told him that that was a good idea. They won't do it, man. And they won't get me they won't cut me in on the action. Well, and let's go back before we get too far down. Like you said, we gotta keep kind of <laughs> laddering back up. But the whole thing with the match and having to pay rights fees and all that stuff, some of this is gonna get into the broader Saudi conversation that we'll have in a little bit. But there's a reason that the tour doesn't want you out doing you know, these exhibition matches because it cheapens like everything that we're talking about, right? A million percent. <laughs> and, literally a million. But, and to that point, if you if people are confused on where our loyalty lies here, like we have very loudly voiced issues we have from this side of the table in the game of golf of the entertainment factor of it. And a lot of times the tour can throw a shitload of cold water on some fun ideas or anything creative because of, for whatever reason. And the, one of the main reasons is always coming back to getting the players more money. Like the whole thing is like, yes, we can't go on site and film at a PGA tour event because they've sold those rights to the broadcaster. The money comes in to the PGA tour and is distributed to the players. So from my side of the house, I would say they do a poor job overall improving, but a poor job overall of presenting the entertainment aspect again from this side of the table. But on the other side, they are printing money for these players and distributing it to them like that. From the other side of the house, I have a really hard time getting on board with what Phil is saying about how things are run at that level. Because yeah. again, it's we're pay- I think the viewers are paying the biggest price in all this just so the players can cash the biggest possible checks. I know it's hard, right? <laughs> it's it's like Phil's agreeing. 
he's like has issues like we have issues with the tour but you're like wait a second you're the one that's benefiting <laughs> yes. well we're we're the ones that are are you know, taking the brunt of the issue here and you're complaining the, the whole thing Get is out of here it's big like i want you to make less money but also pay me more yes energy and it's like dude that doesn't okay but that hold on that doesn't make sense what are you talking about so to your example just i don't mind like explaining this because i think it probably illustrates it maybe we've explained it before but like when we do something like wild world of golf the first time we did it didn't go over well with the pga tour because of a lot of things that you know it was a bit of a learning moment for uh for the kids because they're they very calmly explained to us like hey these players have signed away their marketing rights you can't go do another competition with them because like that's what they're signed on with us to do. And so when you go do that in a digital platform, yes, I know it's a joke. Yes, I know big Randy's out there pretending to be an announcer. <laughs> yes, I know you guys are shooting most of this on cell phones. Yo, I, I laughed. I thought it was good. But yeah. the point is, like, <laughs> the more people start doing that and the the more these players have freedom to just go do whatever the hell they want, like, the cheaper the PGA Tour becomes. And then you start doing that on a massive scale with something like the match. And, like... That's what a lot of this stuff reads to me as is like, it just seems like Phil wants to go on. He wants to both like have all of his PJ tour cake and probably play, you know, a handful of tour events and play the champions tour whenever he wants. But then he also, it almost sounds like he wants to set up just like his whole kind of retirement, you know, circus. Like, does he want to go play a bunch of exhibition tournaments? Does he want to sell a bunch of NFTs? Like, it just seems like he wants to dip his toe into all this other shit that probably, who the fuck knows who the hell Phil's hanging out with, but like, I'm sure <laughs> there's all these people in his ear telling him like, you really should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. And this he, NFT market, it's a $20 yeah. billion dollar opportunity. And he's, Phil. he's just running up against all these roadblocks with capital T capital T the tour. And it's like, dude, as, as can the tour improve its digital Yes. It's digital rights. And can they come into like this century when it comes to a lot of stuff done on site and a lot of things that would ultimately benefit the product? And could they change their TV contracts? Yes, they could uh, explicitly 100%. That's yes. not what he's complaining about. That is not what he's talking <laughs> about here though. Like that, a lot of what they're doing, like when they explain it to us with wild world of golf, I'm like, Oh, well that sucks. But like that makes total sense from a business standpoint. Like I completely, completely see where you're coming from and we will go through the proper channels from now on. But that's where it's like, yes, it seems like in some world, like we should be able to just go do whatever we want with any player because they're independent contractors. But that's not how it works, man. Like, I I get it. I get why this stuff all ladders up to, you know, not again, having like a chink in the armor of this massive operation that they've built. Again, bad for golf fans, yes. bad for content creators, this rule. What's the, what's the big payoff here? Oh, yeah, you have this teat of which you can suck from <laughs> for many, 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 many years and into retirement with a pension. And so the players are like, yeah, I am going to sign my rights away. And Phil, you signed that signature like that. That is how the PGA tour operates. You can't act surprised about this 30 years into it. So if we can continue, uh, if I had access to my own channel and access to my own media, I would have a camera and a microphone on my hat and on my, on my brother's hat and on my golf bag with a 360 view, and I would bring the viewers in. They would see and hear what is going on, but none of that happens because why would any player do that? To make more millions for the tour? They already make enough. Who's with me? The tour only <laughs> understands leverage, and now the players are getting some of that. So things are changing and will continue to change. I just hope the leverage doesn't go away. If it does, we'll be back to the status quo. So A I wanna, lot to unpack on this yeah, one. Yeah, there's a ton. First of all, the hack cameras... I could take, take her. I could take her leave. I'm but, good. But also with that stuff, it's like 
if you want to bring people in, do like yeah. so it's just all about the money, Phil? Like or do you want to is it about the fan? Like if you want to do that, why don't you mic up? Yeah. Because you're not going to benefit from it personally. Well, then it's like But but he is indirectly. That's the, the only he can't see the forest from the trees here in terms of like he keeps calling like to make more millions for the tour. Yes, dude. <laughs> the tour is you. Like yeah. the tour is like the players. This money, like the more money that comes in doesn't go to like Monahan's bank account. Like it doesn't go to the other execs. He makes it seem like you know the the tour execs are just you know bathing each other in cash piles at the at the home. <laughs> no, of, the, he doesn't. He doesn't want Hoagie to make any money. He doesn't want well, the, the profit to make any money. That's what I was gonna say. Is again, if if he's Maybe this is what he's talking about, but if he wants to, I don't, I think I'm giving a pretty big benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but if he wants to go down that road of like, Hey, the top players are underpaid. And if I wear a mic, then that's just going to raise more money for the tour. And it's going to get like improperly distributed to, you know, to not me, I'm not going to benefit proportionately for everything I'm doing for the tour. I'd be like, wow, that's an interesting point. And we should talk about that. But under the current setup, like the the way that the tour is structured as a membership organization and as this organization that can't favor one player over another and it can't just write somebody a big check, even though they have bent over backwards gonna to say. write him a check for <laughs> $8 million this year through the fucking PIP and all these other things. That, like the fact that that's all still not enough and that he he isn't necessarily calling for like like in order to get a lot of what he's talking about here, it just seems like the tour would have to completely blow up and start over. And that's where we get to like the PGL conversation, the SGL conversation, all these other things. But I don't know that that's what he's talking about here. And that's where I keep coming back to like, what do you want them to do, man? Like where's, where's the money coming from? You know what you should do? Because is, I, I don't know where the fat is. No, is grab like saying. 40 million bucks. Here's what they should do. They should grab like 40 <laughs> million bucks and like they should pay money to the people that generate the most interest in it. And like, Hypothetically, maybe whoever, like whatever measures they would use, hypothetically, you know, eight million bucks would go to whoever influenced it the most. And maybe that eight million bucks would be more than that player made in any single season in his career prior to this. At the age of 51, he gets eight million dollars. On course, he earned 2.7 million and gets an eight million dollar bonus from the pit. Including a major. <laughs> yes. But what about the 20 billion? <laughs> I'd like to circle back. I'd like to talk about the twenty billion. I want to see it. I mean, maybe you could throw me nineteen. You know, like I'm, I'm open to it. They already make enough. He says that about the the tour. And again, the the tour. And there's all this information out there. We've walked through it about you know the revenue the tour brings in, the tournament expenses that go with it, and how much is distributed to players. And look, do they do a couple things that are pretty aggressive in there in terms of taking credit for sponsorship money that the tour players make? Yes, but, but this tour stands by 55% of the revenue that comes in is paid out to players. What about all these reserves? And he keeping? says 26%. Oh, you want to get to the reserves? Sure. We can get there. Well, let's get there. Well, you want to do status quo or the leverage thing first? Sure. So in Phil's plan here, for the for the PGA Tour, part of his plan is using the Saudi government <laughs> and saying the, the quiet part out loud that I'm trying Very to out loud. leverage the Saudis against the PGA Tour. How do we, how do we think that would go over? Hold on, hit him with the quote real quick. Okay, you're talking about there there are a lot of complexities. Yes, okay. yes. There are a lot of complexities that complexities that are the, working themselves out. Should point out this is the next day. So this is after the whole firestorm okay. has Correct. has gone on. This is him following up. 
there are there's a lot of complexities that are working themselves out right now in the sport of golf because of some opportunities that create leverage for the players we have a chance to get a more equitable position we're so far behind because we don't have things like player representation and collective bargaining but for the first time in my 30 years on tour there's some leverage i don't know where we're headed there are so many different things different parts needing to be addressed but i think in the end all the things are going to be positive and a lot of what he's talking about there, I think, is like salaries in other sports, right? And if you want are the best player on the PJ Tour, you're going to make, what, eight, nine, ten million dollars before bonuses, and Steph Curry is making however many tens of millions of dollars per season he's making. I think that's roughly his point that he's making. Again, that's getting back to, like, the top players are, are underpaid conversation, which is a conversation I would sign up for. Which is what the Tour's been trying to, like, actively address here the last as much as they five possibly can inside of their current structure yes. where yeah. they again bold underlined Struggling. triple triple <laughs> underlined can't just benefit one member more than the other it yes. has to be performance based that's the whole point of the way they're set up and uh, getting back to the yeah. leverage thing like how, how many times do you say leverage in those quotes 15 is like I, my one of my big takeaways and i could be completely completely wrong on this is like, is he even interested in any of the Saudi stuff? Because it really, from all these quotes, it just seems like he's like, oh no, it, it, he sounds like somebody who has a job offer at a company he doesn't want to work for. Right. It's just like, oh, now it's time to fucking pay me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to leave. And it no, I'm going like, to do it. I'm going to do it. It's like, dude, Phil, go ahead, man. What, are you going to go play on a Saudi golf tour when you're 51, 52 years old? Have a blast, dude. Well, also, <laughs> it sounds like he's trying to hold the tour hostage a little bit for like this, he thinks they have like a a gold bullion <laughs> of twenty billion. It's like, yo, the tax returns are public. Like, there's three hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars in the reserves for like a pandemic. No, 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 not like, according to Phil. The last few years, it, he, he tweeted this. Uh, the last few years, it went into the tour's slush fund, which had eight hundred million dollars before one hundred million went to U- the European tour and other investments. So I, we checked with the source on this. The source being the PGA Tour, they said it was uh, around the the uh, it was around three hundred million before the pandemic hit. Which why do why do reserves exist, DJ? What would what would you say? I would say force majeure. Yeah, I think uh, Fortnite tents that they were putting up at tournaments a while ago, just in case a global pandemic comes along and you've got to just like float, you know, an entire organization uh, with no income stream, uh, things of that, you know, things of that nature. And I think it, they had said, you know, if, if with cost cutting and strong mitigating actions, they were able to keep it around $250 million by the end of 2020. And if they had not been able to return to play in 2020, it would have dipped to around $70 million. Which, again, the tour is, like, laying off employees during this, during this situation. They're, like, I know we bash on the tour a lot, and sometimes it's very fun, and sometimes it's very deserved. Sometimes it's probably not. But... Dude, they're again. As someone who worked there for yeah. like six years, if if the tours is greedy, Phil, take a look at my retirement account, man. If you think the tours <laughs> is greedy as as uh, they're it not even is. matching, dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah, trust me, man. It's it's not. It's, there's not as much dough there uh, just swimming around, you know, North Ponte Vedra as you might think. And again, the issues that we have problems with the tour are not about how they distribute money to no. the players. So okay, so he's talking about all this leverage. It's like one of those things. He got his eight million bucks, like you said. It's like, yo, man, you, you can't hold him at gunpoint for much longer. Like, there's not, they don't. The cops have, are gonna be here soon. They don't <laughs> they have get out of here. There's nothing in the safe. Yeah, you know, like I don't have the codes, man. Like, <laughs> and then he's like, you said, he's using the Saudi government yeah. 
the people so, who hacked Jeff Bezos' iPhone. Yeah, like so. What <laughs> happens like, if if he's just like using them as leverage, and then he just bails? Now nah, I'm good. I mean, that could be not a good idea. I don't know. And now, I, you know what? I kind of see where you're going at with the speed thing. Maybe wasn't that dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, he's got he's got one foot over the edge right now. It just seems just lighting is. I don't know. Short side, like if the if the tour actually had twenty billion dollars in you know a safe. Like, that was before the speed highlight. It might be more than that that's, now. But that's <laughs> that's the problem. It's like yo, they don't have that. That money doesn't. I guess that's what it could be if they gave him access to it. He's like, I could turn this into twenty billion. It's just, just, it's just out of nowhere. It's like, man, this is so unnecessary. And it's like, okay, I think he has an argument that the tour could update their media rights and relations they could modernize some things uh the leverage has worked as far as competition goes the pip is an example of that strategic alliance the uh business top 10 just paying out the fedex so these guys all the every single person has gone up all the bonuses doing this though also like the fedex cup came around in 2007 that money has continually gone up like the they're the tour executive like job is to go out there into the market and create opportunities for the players and, and this competition from the pgl and the sgl yeah. has has been a net good i think for making the tour like lighten the fire a little bit i think communication wise though like i think it's the immediacy like uh, if you know if they had a plan of we're going to roll it out over this many years is kind of like they bump maybe some stuff up a little bit but i think this money was going to be coming like the tv deal i don't think it probably actually Players probably don't even re- like think about yeah. this. Like, probably cost themselves some money in the TV deal or some clauses within that TV deal that are like, hey, if some of these rival leagues get off the ground, like CBS, NBC, sure. are we going to be on the hook to like broadcast? I'll, I'll say it because he's he's long been the joke. Broadcast Tom Hoagie winning <laughs> golf tournaments, but I think the leverage has helped the timeline. But I really don't believe that the tour all of a sudden was like, oh my god, we need to pay the players more, like, or they're going to leave. I think it was like. The, the information does not flow very well. I think a lot probably due to ignorance from the players more so than the communication from the tour. I don't know. Sure. Probably but, both but, sides can but, understand it better. Uh, regardless, things are happening, yeah. right? PIP stuff, like they're, or they're like, okay, we need to make sure that the top players feel like they're being rewarded. This is a definition of like, it's like, Phil, that you have an argument on that stuff. The definition of overplaying your hand. Like, <laughs> no. yo, yo, man. Like I, I also like to live dangerously. Like, what, what? <laughs> What's the point of uh, and, and it's like his in it the the collateral damage is just like, yo, it's tough to root for you like that. Why did you have to go that extreme with this? It's just it's so out of left field in a way, to, just lighting it all on fire to go to Saudi Arabia to collect a paycheck for playing the Saudi International at, in King Abdullah Economic City at Royal Greens Country Club, whatever it is. And to use the phrase that the tour, which is not a thing, by the way, has obnoxious greed is like, dude, like, how are we, how are you going to sell this to people? Huh? Like, what? go back in time. This, I may be walking into, you know, a bad example here, but for you guys, the year 2012, is there any tournament, any moment that like stands out to you off the top of your head? I would say the Ryder Cup. Okay. But like PGA Tour event, like, is there a tour event? Like, the Masters. Was something that happened in 2012 that you would remember? Like, for me, it's Phil shooting 64 at Pebble and Tiger shooting 75 in the final group. Sure. Tiger and Phil playing in the final group at Pebble. Like yeah. That's what that event was. Now, he's in Saudi Arabia that same week taking a paycheck and referring to something else as obnoxious greed. In a year, like How much money has Phil earned? He's earned $95 million on the course. 
Off the course, it the numbers are probably staggering. Forbes reported in 2016 that he made $53 million. 2016 was probably not the peak year of his income. So if we're talking, Phil's probably brought in between 500 and 800 million over the course of his life along the maybe 20 billion for all we know by his count. So like, how can anything, how, how can you take that money at age 51 and call this obnoxious greed? It's not good. It's such a tough look. I think we got a lot more to get that, but speaking of obnoxious greed, we're going to make some money. <laughs> Rapsodo.com slash NLU promo code NLU for $20 billion off your Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. I'm just kidding. It's a hundred dollars off plus a year premium subscription. These things are extremely accurate. You've heard us rave about these. They get within 2% of units that cost about $20,000. The Rapsodo mobile launch monitor app automatically tracks your stats, stores video with shot tracer. It helps with your club gapping, understanding your distance as you hit each club, gives you a great spray chart at the end of your practice session to see kind of what some of your habits are. It gives you immediate feedback and data and creates for a better practice environment, keeps you from just mindlessly hitting balls. Crazy portable. It's about the size of a rangefinder. You can use it both indoors and outdoors. Again, rapsoto.com slash NLU. Promo code NLU for $100 off plus a year premium subscription. Do it now. Well worth it. Shall we go around the media landscape, if you will, for some some quotes? that Golf Channel brought the heat. Golf Week as well. Brandle. So uh, did Digest. They had... Some, and shout to Huggin. We, yeah, John Huggin, John we, Huggin we got needs a, a massive shout out. All of those quotes from that article came directly from the that exclusive. Um, which, Phil, if you'd like to talk about this more, we, we would formally like to invite you to come on the podcast. But uh, Brandel laid waste. This was a great one um, that I wish I had thought of. My, uh, Phil Mickelson cares a lot about his media rights, but apparently not so much about human rights. Delivering a salvo from Saudi Arabia where he, whether he knows it or not, is just a highly paid ventriloquist puppet involved in a sports watching operation for a murderous regime guilty of human rights atrocities. Uh, Mickelson said the PGA Tour was guilty of obnoxious greed. First off, Mickelson did not have to write a check to the PGA Tour for $1 million. It was Turner Sports, which broadcast the event, that paid that sum of money for the media rights of the players involved. The tour, by the way, had every right to refuse the release and to just say no to the event, and the $1 million didn't go into Commissioner Jay Monahan's pockets. One half went to charities, the other half went to, as Phil said, the tour, which means it helped facilitate the some 130-odd tournaments run out of Ponte Vedra, it's, uh, the Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida offices. The tour is not a pejorative term, as Mickelson appeared to intend in this interview. It is synonymous for the players. As a membership organization, the tour ensures every dollar is either paid out to the players, earmarked for charity, or reinvested in the organization itself to better serve players in the future. And you could argue that some of the reinvestment could, you know, they could run it better. Or that some of the charity, it's like, hey, maybe we're, you know, Maybe we're doing t- too much for charity, but it's like would, would love would love to hear that. No, take. Right? but as a play, as Phil could right. But he, what what he can't argue is that there's a billions of dollars sitting around that I they're guess, not giving to him. I That's guess what you can't argue because it's a nonprofit. To try to, I guess, meet him a little closer to where he's saying. I mean, what he's trying to say, I think, is give me my rights, release release my media rights, and I will turn that into my rights, my choice. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> For himself. <laughs> Keep your laws off my media. Uh, yes, for himself. Like, Neil, if you would just release me from fucking no laying up, I could finally go out there and I could make the kind of money that I, I definitely, definitely would make without you guys. For sure. After I used you guys in your for tournaments sure. and your charity yes. to, to better my name. Yeah. 
and now just turn me loose and I'm gonna I'm like, sick of, of you guys subsidizing. are obnoxiously greedy set me off on my own and you'll never see me or a dime again I'm sick of subsidizing Randy's ski trips I need to get out of here I'm gonna write this down for later we might need to look into some of the terms of our <laughs> of our operating agreement here based well, how, on about, this. how about Brandel I mean a guy that's been known for distance washing he's just coming in <laughs> distance <laughs> Good to see that he's still got his fastball when he when he needs it when when he's not being hushed up. Exactly. I thought I found myself nodding. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh, oh, All right. right, I see you, Brandall. I see you. Eamon Lynch as well. He said it's it's difficult to ascertain exactly which character trait, hubris, hypocrisy, and decency uh, motivates someone to furiously demand the freedom to exercise his rights while being applauded by benefactors from a regime that dismembers its critics for doing just that or to pause his guzzling from the teat of Middle Eastern royalty only long enough to denounce the obnoxious greed of an organization that made him an enormous sum of money, which is not to presume he still has it. You, which is, you, you mentioned this a while ago. Eamon needs to pick a side I know. on this stuff. He's, man. he's, 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 he's on just the fence. So, so wishy-washy on this, all this Saudi stuff. Which is, the last line Kid. there is like... That was a joke. It, this is where we get into the, to the rumor, and I really don't know the answer to this, but like, it is not to say that Phil has held on to all of his money. Yeah, he definitely doesn't talk like someone who's just super comfortable with the amount of money he has. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very much so. Oh, well, but that, I think Eamon brings up a good point here of a lot of, in Phil's head, it's almost like, it's not about the money, man. It's about the principle of yeah. like, these are my highlights and I should be able to do whatever I want to do with them. And it's like, that's, that, it's hard for me to evaluate that uh, on its merit of like, yo, it's the principle of it when you're just all about the money. Like well, that's exactly what it's about. But for you. when would you have been led to believe that this was an option on the table? Like yeah. 30 years, this has been the case. This is not a new thing to be. I just realized I don't have my own. Well, I, it changes. I think with, I mean, everything digital, right? Leverage. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's in the leverage. I think it changes with everything digital. I think like I'm obviously joking about it and this is, I can't believe I'm saying this is a serious take, but I think it changes with some of the NFT stuff, right? I mean, you mentioned what the NBA is doing and I, I get why that is intriguing. I just, man, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around how he can't understand that. Like as soon as that goes away, like doesn't the PJ tour just like, that's the first step towards its own demise. Yeah. Right, I mean, it, it just like tease that out. If if they just said like, "Cool, we're gonna release you guys, go do whatever the fuck you want, like go put your name on everything and go in, get into every exhibition you possibly can, go out there and make as much money away from us as you possibly can." Think about how bad that is for like the the TV product. Yeah. Right. I mean, may, I don't know. Maybe for a while, it's uh, you could make the argument that it's good that you know more guys are doing fun stuff on YouTube and maybe you get to know you know some guys a little bit better. But ultimately, it's like. How does that not just, I, I forget, uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher this. I forget who said this, but it might've even been in one of the like nineties readings that I did, which we'll get to in a minute, but doesn't everything just turn into boxing after that? Yeah. You know, where it's just like a promoter run sport. And it just becomes like this guy versus this guy who's going to work five different title. Belts. Yeah. And there's all there's Yeah. Everything is just completely like, sounds like the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like the, the more agency you give people to do that, the more it's like, it just seems like it would fracture everything into oblivion, which to the tours like point, I think is, yo, you don't have to sign up for this. Like if you don't want to do it and you right. want to go run your own thing, go run your own thing, man. If, if that's what Phil wants to do, like absolutely go ahead. But I understand like, but you will not be a member of this tour anymore. If you do that. Yeah. I just yeah. obviously understand why all this stuff is in place for the PJ yeah. tour. And it's wild that someone so vocally is not understanding that. 
Or I, doesn't care. I was going to say, I refuse better, to believe he doesn't understand to any of this stuff. And yeah. I really honestly think he thinks he can just will these, these you know, these statements into being truths. Like, I bet there's a, a more, the amount of people out there that I'm not comfortable with that will agree, like would say like, oh no, the tour only distributes 26% of it. Phil said that. And like, don't bother to follow up on whether or not it's true. And like, there probably are some people that read this that are like, yeah, the tour is greedy, right? I'm following you to battle, Phil. But I think he wildly underestimated or overestimated how many people would follow him into battle on this. Because <laughs> he's lost the locker. I, I mean, Kep, we didn't talk about Kepka was chimed in there on Instagram saying something about wouldn't say anything about greed related to this. Like, <laughs> like those guys, I mean, Phil's presumed to be the Ryder Cup captain at Bethpage here in a few years. And, like, Kepka's going to be one of his guys. Like, private league players are talking about this. Like, this dude's lost it. Like, I don't want to play for that guy kind of thing. And, like, that, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a... He's not giving up just like playing in PGA Tour events. Like he's giving up a lot with if he is going to really actually do this. And, and again, I know we've said this a bunch, but if giving the massive benefit of the doubt that this is all a massive bluff, what he's bluffing is the Saudi government. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, has he bold, made? Yeah, has he made assurances of like, yeah, bold, you guys, if you guys hit this choice. number, I'm uh, I'm in. Yeah. Or is he just using it as quote leverage? It's wild. We'll Wild, see. he is a gambling man. We'll see how that pays out for him. Well, the next topic on our agenda is uh, the Joel Beal article about legality. Of yeah, these, you know, can the tour ban a player like Phil or Bryson from being on the PGA Tour? This is an article I've been waiting yes for for nine months. That's like exactly some, a, how a, I felt. A, a journalist to go and talk to lawyers because I've been wondering about this. Like, do they have any legal grounds for? saying, hey, Bryson, you're going to take that $135 million. You can never play on the PGA Tour again. And at this point, and we haven't done a good job of this to this to this point, in you know, differentiating between the Saudi International slash the Live Golf investments into the Asian Tour and the Super Golf League. So which, l- let's round all that up. Okay. What, what did we can know? Can you do it? And, and I was, when I was when did up. we know it? Uh, so as I understand it, what has been announced so far, and this was bolstered this week, was the... $300 million investment from the Saudi public investment fund into the Asian tour for an 11 event series. I think 10 events, 11 events. I think if you count the Saudi international, uh, which very comparable, I think to the Rolex series, basically just an elevated series of events on the Asian tour. that are going to have bigger purses and then presumably would be bolstered by appearance fees from other top players from around the world. Yada, yada, yada. That that's going to be, you know, kind of the, the Saudis, basically like Trojan horse into pro golf by aligning themselves with the Asian tour and, and kind of instantly gaining credibility with the goal of growing the game. Of course. Yeah. I'm not a politician, but it's grow the game. Uh, So that's, that's public. That is happening. Those events are going like they were pretty scant on details still. Obviously the first one was this week at the, the Saudi International, which we'll get to, but they also announced, I think, events in maybe there's, Malaysia, maybe one a, in London. There's a Thai event, which I believe is the w- week opposite of Bay Hill. Right. Like one of the events is this year in a, in a, in a couple weeks here. Which, I think the London one is opposite the Canadian Open the week before uh, yep. before the U.S. Open. And Scant on details. Captain Greg at the helm? <laughs> Come on. Which we have... Uh, I, I do not believe... Which, based on a source, there have been no players that have asked for waivers for the tie event opposite of Bay Hill. Right. So, yeah, again, Bay Hill coming up quickly. Coming up quickly, elevated event, three-year exemption with that, more money, 
uh, invitational field. It's already like one of the good ones of like not appearance fee money, but like all as close as the, the PJ tour gets not WGC wise, but so, so that's, what's been announced. That is happening. What is rumored now we're getting into rumor territory. And this is from all the shit that you heard this week about. So-and-so has been offered a hundred million dollars. So-and-so has been offered $20 billion, yada, yada, yada. That all is for a presumed Saudi golf league, super golf league. Uh, basically what we, th- what it sounds like their next move is, is to have an upstart tour. Very, very similar. Uh, some would say stolen from the PGL and following their exact model. And that's what it sounds like behind the scenes. Again, this is all alleged and kind of, you know, suspected. Yeah. At the same time they have signed non-disclosure, like multiple correct. players have signed non-disclosure agreements. So get to. that is all, uh, what's probably coming next is trying to sign players for this worldwide super golf league. And that could be events in America. That could be events in the, in the UK, in the middle East, all over the place. So just to be clear, the rumored 100, 130, whatever number for Bryson, 130 million is not for him to play the 11 Asian tour events. Correct. Correct. It would be separate from that. That's my understanding. Yes. Okay. Which uh, again, that doesn't exist yet. Hasn't been announced yet. There's no formal plans for what that is, but that's, that's all based on the rumors. And it's really, yeah, it's, it gets very, very cloudy when, when all these reports come out because everybody just focuses on like hundred million. Should he take it? Well, so, it's the UK's daily mail too, <laughs> which I did some research on and con- contacted a few people outside the pond that said, you know, bullshit clickbait website, like cool. sure. well, question. Great why why do you think the, what was the strategy on the, the Saudi end for funding the Asian tour? Why are they doing that? Is that a, uh, you know, is that a backup plan at the super golf league? flames out and none of these guys say yes now they still have some presence in golf because they have the asian tour like what is it feels like almost a distraction if it's not going to be part of the super golf that's where i'm getting confused like i'm reading about this stuff. i feel like i'm more educated on it than most people and i'm like what what the hell is this thing over here they're doing i think it's building critical mass in order to kind of like build everything towards the saudi international i think it's kind of my understanding of it is you know the same way that the the dude perfect world tour has rolex <laughs> events that then kind of lead you know i'll pay off with the so the saudi the international is the crown jewel of the asian tour correct but they have it's to have some their equi- stuff which I, i'm sure panavija loves they're equivalent to like the players sure <laughs> okay <laughs> which i think is also if the super golf league takes off then the asian tour basically would be the feeder tour sure to that as well right now you have a whole farm system that right. brings goes into that tour as well so but it's a good question i don't have a great answer but these are also the kind of things that when you're playing with a truly comical amount of money right. like a, like you're not trying to profit off of this like well literally you don't have the, to run a business the original yes. investment was 200 million and now this week at a press conference they're like no no it's 300 million now so like it's yeah, i don't think they're really sharpening the pencil sure and it, I was going to say, is that, is that Phil's quote that it's 300 million? Cause he might just be, you know, pulling numbers out of a hat. But. No, that was an official third leg Greg uh, quote. <laughs> Captain Greg. Um, so do you want to get to some of the rumors from the SGL from this past week? Sure. Bryson reportedly received 130. Well, actually, no, this legal stuff is really Please. important because it's, I mean, it kind of is the, uh, the, the stamp. It's, it's question, it is. Yeah. It's like, can these guys go play this tour? Can they take all this money and then get banned from the PGA Tour? Correct. If the PGA Tour cannot ban them, then they should definitely go do that. It flames out. They can come back. Right. So, like you said, so 
first of all, big shout out to Joel Beal for writing this, for talking to a bunch of sources. I'm sure he talked to even more than, than we're in the piece, um, but had some great quotes in it, had some legal experts, uh, sports legal experts specifically in there. Shout out to Golf Digest in general, man. Just a, a bunch of they killed it this week. Bunch of great stuff this week. But um, would encourage everybody to go read the full story. Um, the gist of it was that the high level takeaway was that basically it sounds like it would be a lot uh, easier for the tour to do this than I think people originally thought. And that was that was kind of the takeaway from a lot of lawyers, professors, uh, all types of people. There was there was the gist of that is is players basically i mean it's it's kind of like a non compete right and i know everybody will throw up their hands and like oh these guys are independent contractors they have no rules that apply to them whatsoever and obviously that that's not true right i mean they can there there's still things if you're an independent contractor with a company there's still things like you can and can't do with other with other entities and players have a choice to like this isn't indentured servitude it's not like these guys are like can't go do anything else. I mean, they have options to go play elsewhere if they want. They don't have to play on the PJ Tour. And so what a player, I think, would need to prove to, you know, bolster their their legal case, I think what they would need to prove is that the PJ Tour is a monopoly and I either have to do this or I have no other options. And I think what's interesting is, like, with all this Asian Tour stuff, I mean, that that almost kind of seems like, yeah, you know, you like that. Clearly, It almost is, is weird. It's like you can't really argue... I want to go play over here, but also I have like nowhere else to play. You know, it's like this weird yeah. uh, kind of paradox. So there's a quote in there from Darren Heitner, who's a, a UF professor. He's written several books on sports legislation. Uh, quote, the PJ Tour is a nonprofit organization that has the right to exclude individuals from its ranks as long as it abides by its own policies, provides no preferential treatment, it's what we were talking about earlier, and does not act in a discriminatory manner. Uh, and then as far as, I think this was Heitner as well, as far as, uh, or this was, I'm sorry, this was a different quote, but, and then there was another person quoted in there uh, who basically was like kind of referring to this antitrust case and said to make such a case that would require a player to show number one, that the tour has a monopoly power in a market. And number two, that the PJ tour is trying to maintain that power through means other than having a superior product or business savvy. And that's kind of what I was getting at. It's like, if there's another thriving tour on the other side of the world, like it's hard to, especially with, how worldly of schedules guys play now, it would, according to this article, it seems like it would be hard to prove uh, that there's nowhere else to play, right? right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff. Again, I, he makes a very, very complex issue a little bit easier to understand. So it's I would all, recommend everybody like goes the, and reads that. The, you know, super golf, live, live golf, Saudis, whoever kind of shot themselves in the foot by pumping all this money into the Asian tour because it makes it, like a legitimate option other than the PGA tour to make a living. Who knows? I, I think I it know. was probably already legit though. They just pumped some extra money into it. I mean, there's still a fair amount of money on the Asian tour. Right. And so that makes it really interesting. If, you know, if Bryson take, if let's say he had, he did get offered a hundred million dollars. He takes that offer. He gets banned from the PGA tour. Big decision. If they can, they can pull that off. Right. And it sounds like they, be hard to prove that the PGA Tour can't do that. One thing that was extremely, extremely wild, uh, Joel references this kind of in the piece throughout, but in the late 90s when all the World Tour stuff was going around, this exact issue popped off. And, man, going back to our, our Breakaway Tours podcast and the fact that 
everything is just, you know, time is, is truly a flat circle. Listen to this shit. So th- this is from a uh, 1995 LA Times piece. Uh, PJ outclubs FTC and antitrust fight. This is by David Willman. The gist of it was in late 1994, the FTC sought a case against the PJ Tour. They basically investigated them for four years, and it sounded like they were going to bring legal charges. And they were hung up on two things that the PJ Tour required all members to abide by. Let me know if these uh, sound familiar to you guys. Quote, one of the rules forbids golfers to play in a non-PGA event without the commissioner's permission. The other gives similar veto power over appearances on televised golf programs, or it says in here in 1995, no langups, wild world of golf. (laughs) Uh, Together, the provisions enable the PGA to dominate the business side of professional golf, constraining the opportunities of rival promoters. Without those rules, Fincham and the PGA feared golf could be swept up uh, again. Times a flat circle. Without yeah. <laughs> without those rules, Fincham and the PGA feared golf could be swept up by the type of costly disruptions that have dogged other professional sports. Fincham was mindful of many scenarios, including the emergence of rival golf tours and the specter of players spurning long-established tournaments, leveraging one offer against another. Quote, I can't be... Leverage. Fincham's quote, I can't be losing golfers to King Abdullah Economic <laughs> City. Uh, so Fincham made the can't have it. very, like... <laughs> rational claim that all these rules were very necessary in order to ensure strong fields for TV uh, and also to raise charity dollars. He then... Uh, Fincham also had some serious lobby connections yes, in and Washington, that, that is where so we're, let's, let's also establish that. That is where we're going next. Uh, Fincham, who was a former uh, legal aide for the Carter White House as well. Not, uh, not, not the Tron Carter. Not Tron Carter. Carter. Sorry, That's, Jimmy Carter. Uh, <laughs> also from Georgia, though. Administration. He then pursued, he persuaded corporate sponsors and charities to write Congress. So all these CEOs of all these sponsors of tour events, he persuaded all of them to lobby Congress. They had bipartisan support from, I think, 26 members of Congress who wrote to the FTC. The, the, the basis of most of those quotes, there's a lot of them quoted in the piece, but the basis was basically like, why are you trying to fuck this sport up? Like, don't you nerds have something else to do? Like, this what is you, what I nap to <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> what don't you guys do mess it? up my Sunday afternoon. And I think what's so interesting about this is that it all happened in a year where the FTC was had like a 20% budget cut that they were facing. So it seemed like it was very easy for the senator, the House, or whoever to basically just be like, would you knock it off with that? Like, we're not wasting time and energy with that Honestly, shit. Honestly, it was probably the same year that Tipper Gore was going ham on MTV. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, this is the devil's music. It's possible. Dropping F-bombs, and, and it was it was bad. The FTC was getting beat up so in the 90s. The, the point of all that is, as Joel points out, that's probably like the closest comp golf-wise for what we're dealing with here. And basically, like, the government looked into it and decided we're not going to pursue any action on that. So that's kind of the, you know, hardly a... Uh, a blue flame legal mind here, but that's, that's kind of the precedent I think we're looking at. Uh, what's interesting though, is like, again, with all the lobbying, like they just never really got into it. So if they did get into it, who knows what would happen, but, and what player is willing to be the DeChambeau versus the United States? <laughs> like, you know, is, is it Mickelson versus the United States? Is it DeChambeau? Is it Westwood? You know, yeah. like, because right now the craziest part is well, Phil's talking a big game. Bryson's talking a big game. Westwood's saying he's got an NDA. Poulter and Stenson, apparently they got some big decisions to make. All these guys have offers. Nobody has done anything. It's all a bunch of penguins standing up on top of the iceberg. No one's gotten pushed into the water yet, yeah. right? So, like, will there be a lawsuit? It, it's, it's, it's like I'm kind of 
I'm watching this space. Well, and it's going back to what Andy Gardner said with the Premier Golf League. The big problem they had was the chicken or the egg. Like, how do you get, if they want to do this 48-person, 12-team thing, league, like, okay, they might have, like, we know of four guys that are rumored or have signed NDAs or whatnot. Like, that's 44 short of 48. Like, how do you, who signs first? Do you, Does everyone sign on the same day? Like, how do you get everyone to leap all at once? Are they going to try to keep their membership on the other tours? And does that put them in a legal well, battle? Especially, like, listen to all these Phil quotes. He's out for himself. So if I'm one of these other guys, I'm like, man, this guy is, it's just like all the motivations are so selfish. It's hard to get a bunch of guys that are thinking that way to do something, like, in a coordinated fashion, like on the same day. It's not like they're acting in each other's interest. They're acting in their, like Phil is clearly acting in his own interest. Yeah. Which is like, I guess and that's. Think about who else has, you know, been attracted to this idea. It's like Bryson, Patrick Reed, Henrik Stenson. Poulter, Ian Westwood. Poulter, Lee Westwood, all these dudes who are like, uh, I don't know. So then that to me is like so, one of these guys, like who's going to take the leap and, and who's, because that guy is going to get banned or threatened. Like, well, so then he's going to sue. Because he's going to have to, because he might be the only guy that makes the leap. And then guess what? That all, like his $130 million runs out. Well, hey, I want to come back and play PGA Tour. Well, you can't because we banned you. Well, I'm going to sue you to get back into it. But that's where it's like, dude, I don't know how, I don't know how a player would make that jump. Unless it was one of the old guys, right? Who's like, all right, cool. I'll, I got one more bullet in the chamber here and I'll take however many tens of hundreds of millions of dollars from the Saudis. And if it works out great and if it doesn't, that's fine too. I'll ride off into the sunset. But what player in their prime is going to, like, unless the will you get banned or will you not get banned is, like, black and white, open and shut, who's going to just be like, well, I don't know. I think it'll probably work out, so I'm going to do it. And then what happens when this league sucks and exactly. completely craters? Yeah. and they, No one's th- talked about that. Yeah. Like, what if it blows? <laughs> what? If, I mean, it's going to blow. <laughs> like, I, what, you think it, Stenson and, and Poulter playing past their primes is going to be <laughs> – you know, worth thirty well, million dollars. No, but I got I guess the it's unfair for us to say because we are have been excited about the Premier Golf League, right? And, yeah. and the potential that that has to update the entertainment factor. The reason we think the SGL will blow is because it's the Saudis. So we not like, only that, it's like it's not done for this entertainment factor. Like I, as far as I know, that it's a straight copy of an idea without like a lot of the passion that I think has gone behind. Do the dudes that have tried to start this league with the goal of like, I look players like, yeah, you're going to make a shitload of money, but like, look at how much more entertaining this could be for golf fans. I have not heard one single damn thing. That's like, yeah, this whole Saudi golf league thing with Bryson and Stenson and Westwood and Poulter is going to be really great for golf fans. I've not even heard somebody try to sell all, me. All on you've that. heard is dollar amounts. That's all. Like how that's much all they're going to get paid to come and do it. Which yeah. is like, can we just get to the point of the story also where it's like, Hey, when something sounds way too good to be true, <laughs> how often is it way too good to be true? Like in what world is Ian Poulter's golf worth $30 million going forward? Like, doesn't that sound horrifically too good to be true? Like, What's the catch here? We were laughing about it downstairs. It's really weird when the entire business model revolves around a bunch of people being like, dude, I would never fucking go to that place unless you paid me a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I, well, I guess we're just doing that for everybody, and everybody's going to love watching it. Well, I uh, thought DJ, on that sound note, like Quibi, the yeah. Quibi of golf. Like, <laughs> no, these people want this snackable no, these video guys get content. It. These guys are sharp. Give me $3 billion. <laughs> I'll make this work. Nine months later, nah, it's not working, man. We're going to sell it to Roku for $200 million. But that's like... 
that's kind of the gist of this. I know like that's you're, you're joking about that, but there's some, a lot of truth when it comes to like, yes, you can throw hundreds of millions of dollars around. You can throw billions of dollars around to get involved in all 20 these billion. $20 billion around to get involved in all these companies and to get minority stakes and all these companies. And like to, from a business standpoint, like, money is money at, at some point when you're making like an entertainment product, it still has to be good. Yeah. And that's what we keep saying about the PJ tour all the time is like every time you hear like, you know, well, we just didn't have enough cameras out there. It's like, dude, that's not my fucking problem. <laughs> like why do why am I like giving you the benefit of the doubt? Like you should be making this interesting for me. Yes. And cause I could go watch something cause else. I can yes. totally just go do something else. Yes. Yeah. And that's where it's like, dude, all the money in the world is not going to fix like a broken idea, you know? And I, I don't know about you guys. I've had to do a lot of a decent amount of soul searching this past week in terms of like, dude, like, why do I care? Like, why do I, why am I upset about this? Why is it? Why does this bother me? One, I think we got a glimpse this week into what a fractured world of golf looks like. And I don't like it. No, it's not. It's super hard to get excited about like, it's Kong's and I, listen, we have not even done like the whole human rights <laughs> thing, which is an enormous thing. Like ignoring all that. It's just that Golf tournament in Saudi Arabia this week was not a fun to watch. Like, there's no juice there. The golf course is horrible. I know why everyone's there. Like, that's not fun. And then on the other side of the pond, the the, the field just gets bombed out and depleted by the dude. Not only the dudes that went over this week, but like the, the events surrounding it on the PGA Tour are also going to pay a pretty big price for those fields. And I just go back to like what brought me into being a golf fan way, way, way back in the day. Like before I understood how the money flew, like, you know, how professional sports work, like you just turned on the TV and like for whatever reason you cared about like the result of what was happening, right? And that is like, we're still like the longer I do this job, the less I do care about that. I, I don't like that about my fandom, but like if it gets into you know, the, if, if all of the top tour pros end up going to play this global tour, like that will be completely gone. Like I did not care who won that tournament in Saudi Arabia, even a little bit. Like there's yeah. just no, that whole mystique of being built on of being a golf fan of like, I can't wait to see what happens and who succeeds here and who fails. If that's gone, I'm not a go I'm not a fan of that. I can't be a fan of that. I can't pretend to be a fan of that. So do I want that to unfold? I don't. I, I that's, that's where I eventually pulled back to of like, yeah, like I can, I, does it make financial sense or, oh, they, they'd be fools to turn down the money, any of that? Like, sure, maybe they would, but I'll go do something else with my time then. Like, yeah. I just, that's not going to be, and I think a lot of people are going to have that opinion. And so I do think we're at a crazy crossroads where you got to find out, like, why you do follow and watch professional golf. And that's where I net out. I don't know where you guys do. Uh, Brendan Porath had a great point that the whole thing feels a little bit like uh, NBA free agency when everybody gets all whipped up in the summer and it's just like, oh, who signed where for how much? Oh, who's going to be the super team? What's going on? And blah, blah, blah. And then the game starts. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys at the playoffs. But if, or, it, if it was also like, yeah, um, you know, LeBron just signed with like Brazil. King, King Abdullah yeah, Economic King, City. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we had, a, we had a good convo downstairs watching the end of the golf about the Saudi stuff or even like Abu Dhabi. It's like that stop has been on the Euro tour or now the dude perfect tour for a long time. And it's almost like, Oh, well like in a way what's the, yeah, they're different countries, but they're kind of, you know, in the same, in the same, you know, region, same fam in a way. And I, I guess where I've done a lot of reflecting on this of like, why, you know, why am I going to get all triggered about this? Like the, and to me it is if the Saudi international was a stop on the tour, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. And then if some guys are going to take some appearance fees to go, that's one thing. Where I start to have a problem with it is like, 
yo, the secret's out. What if we, instead of giving them 500K or a million dollars, what if we just offer them a hundred million dollars and we just take over golf? And that's where it's like, yo, that's not that's a, a different that's thing. A, that's a different thing to me, right? Like I'm not down with the Saudis chopping people up into little pieces. That's not good. But if they have a stop, if they want to be a stop. I'm on with a, you on that. No, if they want to I'll be a stop on, on a, pe- <laughs> on a, on a professional golf tour, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm fine with that. Honestly, like as, as it's like, Hey, that's, they're going to buy their way in. And yeah, if it's a money grab for a DJ or a co-crack, it's like, you know, I don't love that you're flying over there for just to play that when you're not on the Euro tour. But when it's like, yo, no, 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 we're just going to make our own tour and we're just going to, we're just going to buy our way into this thing and it's going to ruin it for everybody else because it's going to decentralize the talent and it's going to make it boxing where there's all these different title belts now. And the only time we're going to see these guys together is at the majors. Maybe. Maybe. Then it gets a little less it then i'm then i'm frustrated and i don't know how i feel about that that feels a bridge too far for me and that's what it seems like is happening and this is not fun to talk about i don't want to talk about saudi arabia every week on the (laughs) fucking golf podcast i really don't and i don't have enough energy to be outraged about it every week either and that's where i'm struggling too where it's like i get exhausted with this shit and i also get exhausted when it's like i gotta get hyped to talk about tom hoagie winning you know, because all these other guys are playing in some t- tournament I didn't watch because it went on at 9 a.m. this morning. And I was out running errands. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I, that no, was a, that's bad, great. That's where I'm at. That, it's not fun to talk about. It's not. And I, this is where, like, I don't want to be morality police. I'm not comfortable enough with, like, my own views. I, my knowledge of all world issues to, like, you know, my issue is like, I'm not, you know, people are like, Oh, do you ride in Ubers? Like the Saudis are invested in that. It's like, well, I'm not, I don't care if Jason Kokrak takes an Uber. Like, do I think it's very different than the sport that we cover being the Jason Kokrak plays? And if he like let like him being sponsored by visit Saudi or Saudi golf, whatever he's sponsored by, like that's directly relevant, like to what we are talking about here. And that's where the, whataboutism just spirals totally out of control when it's like, we can just talk about this one specific issue. And I feel pretty confident about how I feel about that. Like this whole sports washing, just blowing people away with the amount of money that we're, they're throwing at it with no real plan for sustainability, if you ask me. Like that's not going to help me watch golf as a golf fan. That's going to ruin professional golf for me. Yeah, when you, can, when you can pay 20x, 50x what someone else can because you don't have to run a legitimate business, then you don't have to put any thought into your product. Yeah. And that's when the product sucks yeah. because you don't have to like be creative and you don't have to hustle. It's just like, nah, we'll just... Make the check bigger. And then it sucks. Then there's no soul. And so that's where I have a problem. But, you know, if it was one tournament, then I then I could I'd be like less It's easier to ignore. It, yeah, it is. It's easier to be like, all right, well that's just that's part of the world. Yeah. You know, at some point, like all this stuff is interconnected. Cause where do you where do you draw the line? Right? Cause you could have that's the what aboutism stuff's annoying, but it's also like it makes me it makes you reflect, like, well shit, man, like then you start thinking about the Olympics and you start thinking about all this other shit. And it's like, that's, that sucks. Like it all sucks. <laughs> it all sucks. <laughs> On that point, I think there were some interesting comments and not to make this whole podcast, like some people tweeted this at me, let's react. But there are plenty of comments that are just like, why don't you just ignore it? 
Why, you know, why do you, if you don't like talking about it, why do you talk about it? It's like, because we're talking about some of the biggest names in the game, possibly destabilizing the entire fucking sport. Like that's why we're talking <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, but why would you talk about and it? That, like you, Is that a reason? You said this as a pure <laughs> joke. I forget if you said this publicly or if this was on Slack or whatever, but like, so Tom Brady just retired, like a pretty good comp to yeah. Phil Mickelson, I would say. Right. Imagine if he said like, I'm going to leave the NFL because I'm going to sign with the fucking Saudi Knights. And like that's where I'm gonna finish out my career. Like, imagine just imagine the takes no, what, what was, what that would come from call that. It, uh, A&M, uh, Medina, 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 Medina A&M. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to coach Medina. He's still got A&M. four years of eligibility at Medina A&M. This one dawned on me this week too. Like, imagine uh, if he's in his prime right now, alive and and doing what he does. Imagine if the league was funded by Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Like, wouldn't people, like, probably have a bigger issue with it than they probably currently do? Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, a, a drug-dealing ring is, is you know, automatically has the mo- has a hor- horrific moniker, whereas for some people, the Saudis are just like, oh, well, they're everywhere. Yeah, but that's a tough comp because it's a, it's a, le- a truly a legitimate, like, world government, right? Like, they run the country. Right, but it's very dirty money in sure. this regard. Like, but, the, the purpose of it. And, well, be- and, and also, like, Escobar ran the, he ran the soccer team. Like, yeah. you know, like they're the That's what whole, I'm saying. Wasn't that fucked up? Kind of how that operated? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it seemed like some people, those games were sold out, <laughs> if we're being honest. Like, so I don't know. I don't know. That's that's taking me, I don't, I'd have to think about that for a right? while. Right, but it's kind of like, I don't know. That, that, that thought just came to me of, it already has become very normalized to have this conversation. It's however many years now, the Saudi International, it's getting more normal. Like, and the with the putt that, like Harold Varner hit the putt today and people were going nuts on it and like, DJ, you made a great point of like, dude, that could not have worked out any better. Like all yeah. of a sudden it's about this moment. And it, it's, I found myself saying this. I mean, you know, Harold's someone I've, I root for it, You know, it's a bummer to see him playing in the tournament. Just like it was a bummer to see leash playing in the tournament or Cam Smith or Fleetwood or Xander or, you know, any other people that we kind of have left off Matt Wolf. Listen, it's fucking shitty to see any of those guys over there. Like my opinions on that definitely hasn't changed. Was it an unbelievable putt? Was it probably the best finish to, like, final shot of a golf tournament? Best celebration we're going to see in 2022? Probably. It was unbelievable. Yeah. But, like, what it does in, I don't know, in my head at least, is, like, it takes this event from this, like, taboo thing where next time Harold Varner shows up at a PJ Tour event, it's almost, like, in the back of his head, like, shit, I hope they don't ask me about, like, Saudi stuff. To like now it's this fun, like jubilant moment that's like totally okay to talk about. And it's like, yo, that's the entire fucking point. Whole point. That's what they're that's the only thing they're trying to do <laughs> is make this like a regular normal tournament. I don't know. Cody, you're here. You you spent time in Saudi Arabia. What do you what do you got? What do you got to say about all this? What questions do you have? How do you feel about professional golfers? What is your background in Saudi Arabia also as well? Sure. For the listeners that are not familiar. I've Cody been- used to be an accountant for the public <laughs> investment fund. <laughs> I've been to Saudi Arabia a couple times. Uh, different In what locations. capacity? Uh, former life, working for the United States government. So kind of seen the inner workings and been to some interesting places. But I am, we play this game all the time, but what interesting questions or I guess opinions of mine would you guys like to know? Well, I'm just curious when you see someone like Phil Mickelson, probably, I don't want to put words in your mouth, probably an idol of yours as a child watching golf. Talking about like the PJ Tour is bad. My hitters in Saudi Arabia get it, and like I'm thinking about maybe playing playing golf over here. What what? How does that make you feel? What's your reaction to that? It's crazy, first and foremost. But I think what you guys have all discussed here, and 
in sports watching, the result that they ultimately got, I hope people do not forget about the true atrocities that this regime has committed and continue to commit over time. They hopefully will not go unnoticed and need to continue to be discussed, not only in journalism, but in podcasting and everything else. Neil, you made a great point on the comp to Abu Dhabi and the UAE. Is that that tournament's been going on for a long time, and you see it one time a year, and after a while you're like, oh, it's that event, and that's fine. Also, by the way, do not have the best human rights record in the world. Do some crazy shit all over the globe. And get away with it because everybody just basically wants to pick on who is the worst. Right now, you could say that outside of China, Russia, Iran, now Saudi Arabia, on stack of of who are the hitters in the hitters. Top five. They're they're falling down the bad hombre power rankings. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, it's so hard because we have this stance and viewpoint from the United States and the rest of, I would say, North America. And I'm sorry, Canada, for looping you in with this. But we view things and Saudi Arabia a lot differently than the, the rest of the world does. So, you know, Egypt, Australia, everybody else sees them as places that they might have used to go on vacation at. And they, they're, they're not affected the same way that Americans who have lived through 9-11 that, you know, read about a New York Times journalist that is absolutely Washington Post, thank you, that is like dismembered and killed at the direction of their government, their supreme leader. We don't forget that stuff. A lot of other people tend to forget that stuff. I I think that's a that's where I've been re- uh, reflecting. Might be too strong of a word, but thinking about like Leash and and Cam and some of the guys from the UK, they have a different relationship with that part of the world than we do. Like, I think it used to be part of the, the British Empire. It used to, they like you said, they vacation there. I feel like the Australians are much more, like, already, like, well, listen, I'm just kind of, like, I'm really far from home already. Like, I'm not, I can't worry about what's going on in the Middle East. Like, I'm, they just have less of an opinion on this stuff, where I feel like it's a lot easier or more black and white for us to be like, that, those, there's the bad hombres. Those guys are doing bad things. We got to say something. And I and I I feel like we should. I don't think that's the wrong thing to say, but I don't. Is it that I don't want to come down too hard on those guys? I'm just trying to understand that, like where their heads are at, where they're just like like what you said about Leash's uh, comments in the press. Yeah, conference. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to see where his his head was at. I mean, I, I don't have the well, exact quote in front pragmatic. of me, but it's just like completely coldly logical. Just like, well, I don't know. They offered the money, and you either have the choice to take the money or not take the money. I chose to take the money, and here we are. Any other questions? Which it is just as becomes kind of like gets. fuck, man. Well, which I, I think right. again, I come back to more. It bothers me more about the top American players doing it and legitimizing it than like the true global players and in the game. You they, said this that a bothers of, me more. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's where I, I would say the top American players that are uh, like of age that have traveled the world that are yeah. good are, point too. You know, I I don't think Matt Wolf. No offense, and maybe he does, but I don't think he has like the best optics of like world events and things that are going on that have gone on for the last 20 years. The dude grew up yep. playing golf his whole entire life. So I, I don't think we can really hold him accountable for all he this He might not be, stuff. like, you know, getting deep into, like, Wikipedia wormholes right. and reading the Wall Street Journal on Saturday, like, about, you know, human rights well, abuses. You all said this, this is too. not a business thing either. This is 100% just quid pro quo. 
we're paying you for the favor of continuing to go out and say amazing things about the advances that we're making in Saudi Arabia. That's the hook. That led with the press conferences early in the week. Look at the ladies that I saw in the coffee shops. We had a, a yoga symposium <laughs> out on the grass on Tuesday. So mindful. <laughs> like, why is that being discussed in a press conference unless they're tr- that, like they're pushing the agenda in front of you? Trojan horse. Yeah. You said that Which earlier. Is t- that's tough. That yeah. tough. sucks. My biggest fear back to Phil is if he becomes the martyr. Yeah. And I'm not meaning like actual death. I mean, like <laughs> he goes way too far out there and gets caught up in it. And then there's no no place to turn to, because that would ru- truly ruin his legacy. Yeah, I think it's worth. Sal, you said this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, it's also worth calling out. Like the the critical mass is still with the players who are not there. I, I think. Yeah, you know, and that's John, John Rom, Colin Morikawa. Stop me if any of these guys did play. John Rom, Colin Morikawa, Hovland, Cantlay, Rory, JT. Spliff. Hideki. I'm just going down the world rankings. Damn it. Uh, so yeah, it's going to take a minute. Uh, Ustazen, I don't think was there. Sam Burns, I don't think was there. Scotty Scheffler, I don't think was there. Spieth wasn't there. Berger, I don't think was there. Finau has been there in the past. Brooks wasn't there. I think he's been there in the past, though, as well. Et cetera. Yeah. The, the point is, there's still, you know, if it fractured right now to who was there and who wasn't there, I, I mean, I, I still think the, you know, the eyes still have it. Yeah. Right? On, it on would suck to lose DJ. Yeah, I think he he's just kind of uh, uh, that he got, kind of gets the full passport, but he's actually one of the guys I'm most disappointed in. Yeah. I'd say, and, and if it me would be most disappointed if we lost, which yep. seems like it could be a possibility. But guys, I'm worn out. That's it. Stick to sports. We're moving on because we have something to celebrate. Some good news in the world of golf. Leona McGuire gets her first win on the LPGA Tour. Wins the Drive On Championship on Saturday, a 54 hole event. Not heavily te- televised. A little late addition to the calendar, I think it was. It was not good. Can I can yeah. I just say that? The, can we still read her win first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you brought it up. You I know, it up. I know. All but right. if people missed, you know, why it wasn't on Sunday or whatever. But just a huge shout out to the entire country of Ireland that has uh, religiously been in the mentions, making sure that she, every T18 finish she has gets a mention on the podcast. Now we get to talk about a victory, finally. So. Looked like they were going to do the Irish double for a minute. Seamus Powers running away at, mm-hmm. at Pebble. Leona. God, Leona's fucking awesome to watch man well now it when all makes more on, sense it's just yeah. so fun it's like she didn't have a win and i was like well she was the best player i saw at the solheim cup like yeah. why does this not make sense hey, kpmg we fought f- yeah for a few holes last year i mean she jumped the irish the made sure yeah. that i yeah. that i went out and saw her uh but she storied uh college career i think three-time acc player of the year right at duke and uh good to see her get in the uh, winner's circle she she had some great quotes after too just about i mean i know we keep joking about the irish like pride, but that is such a real thing. Yeah. Like they put so much pressure, I think from a mostly loving standpoint on their athletes that she had some great quotes about like being home for, for Christmas and like trying to take a break after this super long season, after the Solheim cup, everything she's like, yeah. And every question is just like, so when are you going to win? So what are you doing? So when are you going to win? When are you going to win? And I can't, I can't imagine we talk about it all the time, but all the flights, all the hotel nights, all the rental cars, all the practice rounds, all the pro-ams, all the grinding and early tea times on Saturday morning when you're way out of it, all that stuff to have that in the back of your head too. It's just like, man, my whole country is like really dying for me to become the first Irish player to win on the LPGA. Uh, and then she she does it, man. It was just, it was awesome. I, I had a, a blast watching it after I fucking 
paid for Peacock Premium, which we can talk about later. You're a sucker for that. They couldn't. Well, no, that. I had we had to watch it. It was a historic <laughs> moment. Similar to like these island nations, like Hideki in Japan. Lots of pressure. You talk about Tons these, of these island nations putting too much pressure on their athletes. So it's a story to follow. She's going just forward. Uh, watching her when she gets on. We saw this at the Solheim Cup too, and. Like you mentioned it with Spieth too, like her distance control, man. She just, mm. when it's 119 yards, she hits it 119 yards. And yep. it's like, when she gets in that mode, it's gosh, it's so fun to watch. She just, like, she still missed a couple shorties coming in too. I think she ended up winning by three or four. Yeah. It could have been like five or six. It uh, was, it was impressive. When she gets going too, she gets like the maddest yes. angry walk going of just like, she just looks, uh, she just looks like a badass out there. I would not want to be in her way when she gets on. And uh, now the, now the whole golf world knows it. So congratulations to her. Nicholas Hoygaard uh, wins can on I, the Can European I say a couple target. things about the, about the coverage real sure, quick? Because yeah, it is somewhat interesting. So the LPGA added this Nikolai event. Nikolai Hoygaard before anyone gets mad. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the LPGA added this event late. So good on them. Don't want to beat them up too bad for bad coverage. But it was it was a 54-hole event. that they. It was one of their drive-on championships, so no real title sponsor. And I think that it just sounded like a bit of a gymnastic situation. Like the LPGA had to fund the telecast as they tend to have to do in a number of circumstances, which is, which is wild in itself. But uh 54 hole event ended on Saturday. It was, there was nothing airing on golf channel. It was like a, I think it was like a Euro tour replay while this was ending, which was what was making me very upset that it wasn't on because it was being broadcast on pre on Peacock. They still put it behind the paywall, which was like seemingly extra obnoxious and then he flipped it on and it like looked like it was broadcasting from somebody's iphone or something so like uh you know no no disrespect to any of the the very hard-working people out there i don't know what was really going on with that it was still a lot of the same talent and stuff i don't know if, i don't know if the hosts were on site grant boone and uh morgan pressel but the whole thing just it seemed pretty disjointed and the quality was really bad so the only reason I bring it up is if the LPGA was, I don't know if they were like trying something out or, or what they were doing. I'm sure they saved a bunch of money on production, but uh, hopefully that doesn't become like a regular, a regular thing. Cause it was no, no, I think it, not you know, an enjoyable peacock premiums where the, the game of women's golf it was, was going well, I don't know. I think the uh, bummer speaking of bleak scenes with telecast, the golf channel pregame stuff is it, <laughs> that's, it, that's bleak it, as well. It's very, very bleak. I mean that, cubicle p- personless cubicle office with nothing on the screens in the background it, ah it's got, not good i think they got stanford kicked, connecticut no in orlando so they got kicked out of their stanford oh god that's studio right. because of the all the olympic stuff there's too much nbc shit going on okay so, so that's not a permanent thing no that's their old ghost studio in orlando the okay. one that everybody got pissed that they At had to leave it so like it's it's it wasn't good a throwback to cnn center from like the 90s down in atlanta but only nobody's in the background, like reporting, you know, like yeah. oh, getting stories and stuff. Tough scene. Getting scoops. Yeah. Lastly, Nikolai Hogard, Hoygard, which I learned the uh, the the pronunciation actually is wins on the European Tour, second European Tour win at the age of twenty. Listen, I'm going to get one question. We didn't get any questions. It's Greg David ninety four. Nikolai Hoygard looks like a bona fide superstar. How far can he go? Those two eagles today approaches to inside ten feet from the waist area were tiger esque. Love me some good hyperbole when it comes to a, a 20 <laughs> year old. So we had to tiger go ass, Greg, for sure. <laughs> they were fun to watch. Hoygaard is both, both of them, I should say, Rasmus and Nikolai are very projectable talents. It looks like in terms of the swing speeds, the frames, this is not, uh, these guys are not dink and dunk guys. They look, they have incredible swing speeds, incredible. It basically just looks like potential, right? It, they jump off the page when that, you watch them. Not only that, I mean, they're 20 years old. 
Yes. And they're twins, and they're both inside the top 100 in the world rankings. Which, I have some reasoning behind why that may be. No, but, but I'm just saying, that 100%. on its face, like, that's wild, man. Yes. <laughs> like, wow, it seems like... Uh, listen, we gave Tron and Randy a bunch of shit when they kept saying, like, we should be spooked at, you know, the future European Ryder Cup teams. Everybody listening needs to prepare themselves <laughs> for TC's riding for these two for the, the rest of the, for the foreseeable future, really, as the future of uh, the Euro team in the Ryder Cup. But what, I, what I'm getting at is that's, that's, that's pretty wild. Watch this space for, for more. They, were, they entered this week uh, number 98 and number 100 in the world rankings. Kind of what kind we, of funny. we always wanted well. from the flying Molinaris. Which they, you know... A long they, ways to they go they before they own. get to that. Yeah, they yeah. were they were both That's, on the same fucking Ryder Cup team. No, but I'm saying both of these guys uh, at this age, because it feels felt like the the Molinari's kind of were hot and cold, like they weren't ever really they didn't get it vibing at the same time. Locked at uh, what was that Celtic Manor? I guess they were, they were they're not twins the and they're different ages. That, they are brothers. Through. They are brothers though. <laughs> it's right. similar to you and Tron. Yes, in yes, that you're brothers. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Listen, it's been a long pod. Okay, I'm I'm search I'm grasping right now. I'm not worried about the Ryder Cup if that's where if that's what you're asking. I'm not. Maybe I think that with their addition to the team, easily Europe could close the gap to about eighteen ten. I think. I was going to say, <laughs> hopefully, at least you know, make sure that we can make it to Sunday. <laughs> uh, that is all I have officially. I'm spent. What do we got cooking this week? We got a little bit of filming we're doing this week. We have a podcast coming up Tuesday. Um, we'll we'll get you know. I don't want to tease it too much. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. Cool. A couple fun video projects coming out. Solly spent some time with a uh, an architect here, a golf course architect here in Florida, Bobby Weed, to just kind of, you know, I don't, I think it'll come out this week. Just a, a very fun look at like what the construction project process looks like. Uh, I think that'll be really cool. We got an awesome film room we're shooting tomorrow. I cannot wait. It's the most excited I've been for a film room yet. Oh, what else is going on? We got a mega t-shirt restock in the pro shop. Mm. All the classics are back. We're starting to restock. Listen, supply chain's been tough these days. Don't ask me about hoodies. I don't want to hear about it. We're struggling to find hoodies. We're working on it. We're working hard to get hoodies in stock. Can't promise that, but newsletter is going out Thursday. Newsletter.nolayingup.com forward slash subscribe. It'll go out Thursday. Love Watch it. this space. Cody, you got anything coming up? Nah, in town for the film room. Excited to come to this lovely Florida weather again. <laughs> what do you got cooking on the <laughs> downrange this week? This week is going to be a gentleman named Chris Bluey and the background on the golf course that used to be called Overhills Hunt Club in the Sand Hills of North Carolina. God, this blew me away it's when you're describing this. To, to have everybody join me as we dig into it, but it's a former Donald Ross course that now is owned as part of the, the Fort Bragg Military Reservation property. Uh, it's just basically an old winter getaway that at the time people said was better than Pinehurst. Uh, mm. So excited to, to get more into that, but that's what we got on Downrange. Listen to Downrange if you haven't yet. We I don't know Downrange. that we've... We haven't really... Uh, we haven't pumped it all that much on this podcast, but Cody has his own podcast. If you thought that that guy sounds smart, I'd love to hear more from that guy. Listen to the Downrange podcast. Come. Amen. Gents, let's have a great week and uh, hopefully a better week than this past week. Who you guys got in the Super Bowl? Oh, God, I don't know. Let's go for the Bengals. Come on. Sure. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. I'll root for the Bengals for sure. I Definitely. am too. Uh, yes. Bengals. Co-side. <laughs> yep, down. I want, <laughs> want Randy to be happy. I'd love to get... Is, is uh, betting legal in Montana? I don't know. 
Because I'm going to be in Montana this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Going what to Whitefish. Skiing? Going skiing. That's fun. Yeah. So I won't be on the pod next week. But I would love to get steep on some DK prop bets. Sure. What do you guys think? Over under two minutes on the national anthem. Everyone, I feel I like it's been it. too easy to go over in the past that we're due for like an under. I love the Super Bowl props. I'm deep in the Super Bowl <laughs> prop scene. <laughs> Enjoy Montana, though. I will. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. See you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!